And there's a touch of, uh, how you might put it, Iberia about this. Henrik Larsson again! Larsson has scored! It's great play from Henrik Larsson. Then the final of the UEFA Cup. There's Hodge and he's done it! A penalty kick. Alan Thompson. He's done it and he makes it look so simple. Celtic a one-up. Really great feeling. This is a magnificent victory for a team and a manager that suffered a lot. Celtic are through to the UEFA Cup final. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Cynic Chronicles. I'm your host Barry Galhar and as always I'm joined by Alan Edgar. Barry, thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. And we've kind of adopted him now, haven't we, into this <laughs> podcast? Not um, officially. I no. think the paperwork is still ongoing, but, yeah. you know, we're in the process. Yeah, so will we, will we introduce him or will we just leave it hanging up? <laughs> no, our good friend and our gaffer, Christopher Gallagher. Hello, Barry. Hello. <laughs> That's all you're giving me. <laughs> That's all I'm giving you, aye. No, so, um, as we say, Gals become our adopted um Third member of this panel, and it's great to have your knowledge and expertise. Thank you so, very much. Well, hello. <laughs> let's get let's get straight into it. So we're going back ten years to um, a period where there was no Rangers in the league, which we'll touch on. Um, and we're going back to November twenty eighth of twenty no- eighth of November twenty twelve um, onto the eighth of December, um, and we'll cover all um, sort of things around that time as always. So just before we get into, we'll leave it hanging there, before we get into the, the details, um, 10 years ago, Gal, what were you up to? Uh, 10 years, years ago, uh, I was working for the student loans company. Uh, no, no, I wasn't. I was a student. I, I was doing a film degree and I was living in Shawlands and we were doing the Bundesliga thing, Alan, were we around that time? We would have been, eh? We were just doing, for invite. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we were the first um, English language Bundesliga podcast and website, um, which uh, was cool. It, like uh, garnered a lot of knowledge in that um, on how to kind of do things, and uh, yeah, it was interesting. Like developing and kind of learning about a league because we had to do stuff. I remember sitting watching Hertha Berlin versus Stuttgart, watching the whole game, taking notes, and then having to do a match report and stuff like that. So kind of set us up well for for the cynic and stuff. But it was good, uh, you know. Uh, just Celtic at this time I think was yeah we'll, we'll touch on obviously where they were and everything but I just felt uh, such hope that we could do things because we didn't have uh, the evil dragon breathing down our neck and we could have a little bit m- more opportunity to express ourselves um, but me personally I was uh, yeah I was learning from you know an education point of view and from you know my you know personal life when we were doing the Bundesliga stuff and we'd started I'd just started doing the Cynic podcasts I think we'd had we'd done one or two at that point so yeah it was an exciting time. Brilliant so you were sort of setting the stepping stones for what we have today. Absolutely. Brilliant. Alan what about you? Don't, um, say, don't say I've been this like a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was involved in a, a, a horrendously poor Bundesliga thing. Um, uh, it's just quite funny thinking about the time you used to have when you would sit and watch games of football that largely you had absolutely zero interest in. The, the thought of doing it now really is... Uh, no chance. Absolutely not. Um, no, I think uh, I was still getting over not having my student discount um, at Celtic Park, which I think I mentioned quite recently. And I've been thinking about actually went out and sought out how much the discount was. 25%. 
which was good. significant. So I might see if I can get a wee part-time course next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was uh, just starting kind of finished uni, working, trying to find a way and just doing all the kind of, Celtic always revolves around what we do. So um, that was about it um, at that time. I, I mean, we are, I mean, Celtic does like, dictate everything. I mean, it's the same answer every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has. There's nothing either, interesting. I was either at school, at unit, or finished uni, and yeah. just going to see Celtic games, uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, it does just dictate our life. Definitely. Um, but the reason why, is, as we've kind of alluded to there, why this was such a sort of unique period um, in our history was because, obviously, Rangers had um, gone insolvent and had to begin again from division so makes it so official like they, they exactly. became insolvent and i love it absolutely yeah. love it um they died barry come they on died. They, they died, died. zombies <laughs> <laughs> um and as you say Gal, it was a kind of there was all that sort of noise in the media about oh, how will we cope without them and i think even some of our own support was you know it wouldn't be the same without those games but we were just talking off here before we before we came on there that I felt a lot less stressed um, in those days. And I think what was really special about this time as well, I suppose we should mention it now, was the qualification for the last 16. I think there still was that sort of, that competitive edge. And the fact that, as you said, Gil, we had the opportunity to properly prepare for those games. And it's the only time I can really remember where, maybe it's kind of, more so now we can rest players ahead of European games, but it was the first time I can remember properly doing that. There was games where we completely changed the 11s um, yep. before and after that. So that's something we'll come on to. But uh, as well... Oh, sorry, sorry, I just want to say, like, <clears throat> there was always this idea, and it's still peddled to this day, that Celtic and Rangers are a package, that they need each other. And this time showed that we absolutely do not and did not need Rangers. If anything, they kind of held us back um, in a lot of ways. And my love of Celtic is my love of Celtic. It's not anything to do with any other football club. It's not anything to do with any other fixture. It's to do with my inherent love of this club. And this club could be playing... I wouldn't want them to be playing England, but if they did play in England, they'd be playing in England and I would support them just as much. If they were playing in the Super League, I wouldn't want them to be playing in the Super League, but I would support them just as much. It's this football club and it's... Um, I, I don't want to go over too much, but um, my dad went to his first Champions League game of, ever. You know, he, the last game, you know, as I mentioned in the weekly, I think that the first game he'd been to for, for years. And he said just walking in and that atmosphere and seeing that pitch, he said seeing that pitch just meant so much to me. And it's like, that's what it's about. It's not about any other club. It's just about us and it's about the club. I think just the other thing to point out on that, that context of Rangers not being in the league anymore is the, the rivalry had been pretty, pretty intense the previous years as well, and I think, um, you know, if you want to be entirely honest about it, we lost a couple of titles that really, I think, was really disappointing to lose because it yep. wasn't a great, it wasn't a vintage Rangers team, um, and I think we, it felt like we had left trophies on the table. So, to be honest, at the time it came round, a there was a novelty factor if yeah. you want to take the rival route it and just there was a novelty factor of that, and B, I think you were, you pretty much had your fill of that Rangers team and the kind of the style of football they had I think you were quite happy to go down a different route and the timing of it for me was perfect um, would recommend would do it again <laughs> 10 out of 10 it's like a wee spa break isn't it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um, I away from the, the stresses of everyday life no I, I, I 
couldn't recommend it highly enough. If you're a young guy listening to this or a young lady listening to this, if you get a chance to um, make Rangers deceased again, <laughs> go for it. Take it. <laughs> Bloodily recommend it. Absolutely. <laughs> Flush it out. It's funny you say that because I think it was maybe not the season before, but a couple of seasons before when we, was it seven times we played them in one season? Yeah. Because we had had them in both cups. One was a replay and then obviously the four league games. And it was the first time you kind of had that phrase of the sort of derby fatigue, wasn't yeah. it? Because I remember in that sort of period between February and April, I think we must have played them four times. And every game had an incident where you say it was obviously the Lennon and the McCoyst and the Tuxwine. And around that time, all the, the sort of bullets in the post, the Lennon and stuff like that. So it was... I think that maybe made the transition easier um, mm-hmm. because it had been so intense and it was all ramped up and it seemed to be there was government summits and all sorts. So it was a breath of fresh air because not only did we have all the humour and all the jelly and ice cream and um, all the taxman stuff, but then when you got down to the nitty-gritty and they weren't there, you thought, right, this is a real opportunity. Mm-hmm. And probably looking back now, we didn't make the most of it as no. we should have in terms of the whole big picture of the club but at this particular time it was interesting in the first season of them not being there that we did so well in Europe and it was kind of almost like a two fingers up to everyone who said the league wouldn't survive without it exactly yeah no, I just think um, on that element of the kind of derby fatigue I think around this time it felt like or maybe a, a couple of years before Real Madrid and Barcelona had very much the same thing yeah and actually the more often they played it did ramp up the the atmosphere and but it it wasn't, I think it felt like it was just, you were just trading blows. And the win, as much as it's enjoyable in the night, you realise it very quickly after that, well, we're playing them again in two weeks. So the bragging rights, if you if you like use that expression, are, are only, you know, you know the shelf them. life of them is pretty low and that does take away from it a wee bit. So I think the timing of it was was ideal. Definitely. And as you say, the, the, you don't want to get too high with the bragging rights because you know it could smack you in the face a couple of weeks later. Yeah. So as we always do, we'll go over some things from sort of popular culture around that time. So um, the number one song was Troublemaker by Ollie Murs. Remember that one? Absolutely not. Featuring Flowrider. <laughs> I just remember he kind of broke down on Troublemaker, that one. No, I don't. <laughs> um, passing me by that one. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I'm surprised it's Ollie Murs featuring Flowrider. Sure, and that seems quite big, doesn't He's it? The bigger artist, I would presume. Florida did like the um, kind of the official WrestleMania songs and all that at that time. So yeah, that is pretty surprising. But I guess he was maybe just trying to break into the British market or whatever. Done a lot of shite then. Aye, Aye. a lot of shite. Fuck up, Alan. Step up, Mister Oliver Mars. Was Oliver Mars no? Uh, did he not do a draw at Celtic Park at halftime? It was a derby. It was, uh, um, and he clapped the Rangers fans and didn't clap the Celtic fans. See, I know yeah. fuck all about music, but I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> so his name's a muck to me. Uh, I was know. one of the New Year games, I'm sure. Um, and the number one film was The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part mm. 2. I do believe I've seen that, but... Uh, I do believe. If you, I know. You've that, seen uh, it, come on. The kind of vampire efforts. Aye, mm. that's, that's exactly it. That, that was like one film that they basically was so long they broke it into two parts. 
But it was essentially, aye. Just it was kind of had a cult following, didn't it? Folk kind of dressing up to go to the cinema to see it and all that. Aye, I mean, it's very, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm someone who likes professional wrestling and even I think it's really nerdy, <laughs> right. do you know what I mean? Get, get a grip, guys. Aye, fuck's sake. Grow up. Grow up. I love it. I really like using the expression grow up when it's really not necessary. Oh, like somebody says, do you want to, you know, ah, I can't go for a pint later. Oh, grow up. <laughs> it's always good on Twitter when someone's like, kind of, it's just a reply that just cuts the person down. Brilliant. Right, so we will go back to the 28th of November, uh, 2012, and uh, Hearts nil Celtic 4 game. So it's kind of fresh in the memory going to Tynecastle because obviously at the time of recording, um, that was the last domestic game. And watching that back, it's it's amazing how so many things are different now, but so many things are still the same when you see it. Like the atmosphere is red hot. Um, the allocations obviously been cut. Uh, by Hearts for the Celtic support, which is always annoying, but it's always a special um, fixture on the calendar, and this one was was no different from that. What's your memories of that, Alan? Yeah, um, there's a lot of factors to it. I think we've talked about the absence of a Rangers in the league. I think then, by default, Tynecastle away becomes your your best fixture, or the, certainly your biggest atmosphere. You know, there is a debate that. That is the best away fixture of the season for the people that can go. Um, it is obviously different with the cut allocation. Um, Even just watching but, on TV, I think I think it's it's the fixture that and Pataudry are the two fixtures I look for. Yeah, and I think what what it is is talking about Tynecastle is it's, it's kind of it feels kind of unique to Scottish football in that it's not a, it's not a modern stadium, but it's it's very tight. It's right on top. And yeah, that does translate. You know, it's it, it's fairly unique. So. With Rangers not being in the league, going to Tynecastle then becomes one of your biggest fixtures of the season. Going there with Neil Lennon as your manager and going with kind of... They always felt it was combustible, so... Given what had happened exactly. previous season as well. And it, it's difficult to do that justice, talking about it now, because it does feel a long time ago. But at the time and for the years after, you, 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 you never forgot that. It was always at the forefront of your mind and... Um, I, it, it was a, it really was like I know we we have a laugh and a joke and that, but it really was a low point in you know the game. It was really really awful to see. So yeah, there's it, always going to be a big fixture and going with Lennon, going with this team. You didn't know whether you were going to get a blistering performance or whether you were going to go and be completely abject. So had everything. Yeah, I think combustible is the perfect way to put it. There was always a <clears throat> there always is now still like an atmosphere at Tynecastle, but then it was. <laughs> nastier i think yeah. i think it's still nasty um which i'm not necessarily against i think that that's you know kind of spurns um, pushes players on and stuff but it was more it was just nastier it felt like you know there was real kind of steam in the air and mm-hmm. you know I, it wasn't pleasant and to have to go there as you say with you know neil lennon as the manager and yeah it just added a certain sharp edge to the whole proceedings definitely um and as you as you both mentioned there, the fact that as we've said that there were there was no Rangers in the league, I think because not only traditionally has it been a place where there's been a battle, but because of the feeling between the fans, um, that was almost the next best thing after the derby. So going there with a sense of expectation at that time, Celtic were clear at the top of the league as you would expect, still with a game in hand, um. And we'll just start going through the team then. So Foster was in goals. Our defence was Ambrose, Wilson, Mulgrew and Lustig. 
midfield, Commons, Ledley, Kyle and Wanyama, Lassad and Hooper. So a fairly strong team, um, as you as you would imagine. What's your kind of players that jump out to you there, Alan, from that team? I read all of those names and immediately just, it's Neil Lennon's team. That I, right. I, I know that's bizarre yeah, no. yeah, because yeah. you've literally just said it's Neil Lennon's manager and this is a team, but that is the the archetypal team that you would, you know, I know you ask us sometimes in the weekly gal to name a team and you, I think you would do pretty well with that because that, that was it. And, you know, looking at it now, having watched the highlights, looked back on this kind of era, these, all of these players at their best were a really, really good side. Getting them all to play at their best, though, especially in league games, was could be quite difficult, and especially this season. So I think at, at this point, you watch Celtic a lot not knowing what you were going to get. That's... You didn't know whether you were going to go and it was going to be... I mean, when Lennon came in, I think everybody was delighted because they played with high energy. Yeah. And that was... We had been really sluggish and really abject in years before. And the one thing you felt that you would always get under a Lennon team was high energy might not go your way but it was at least entertaining to watch um and we had a lot of quality here but getting them all to do it consistently especially in a league when you probably knew that you were really favorites to win it having won it the league before and having your biggest rival not there that then it felt like you translated and kind of that translated into the start of the season as well so you watched it knowing it could be great but it could also just be not so great yeah it's worth mentioning just before you come in Gal, that we'd lost the previous game at Celtic Park to Inverness and my memory when you just look at this season in isolation there was a lot of probably because we could afford to do it and it's not nice saying that because we expect to win every game even mid when they're in the league but there were so many performances like that a lot of draws a lot of draws five points from 15 five points from the previous 15 we did basically one win in five that is the sort of form that gets you sacked as a Celtic manager in any other season. <laughs> Definitely. Neil Lennon, hold <laughs> <pulled> my beer. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, fuck me. See, I... see just on that, um, Gal, before I get your thoughts on the team, see you reading through that team and kind of seeing the highlights. A lot of the, the things we said in Lennon's second team was it was as if the, it was just trying to get the best players on the park. And reading that team just kind of says that to me. Like, there wasn't, well, it wasn't a great tactician even then, but. For me there, um, that midfield did have its strengths, but it was just kind of shoehorning players in, I think, because of what they could do as individuals rather than a team. And don't get me wrong, this team were a good team, but that team there seems to me like it's kind of been get as many on to the pitch to try and right the wrongs of the previous uh, week's results. But what's your kind of remember uh, memories of that team? Yeah. Um, this team, I think, uh, <clears throat> for me, the kind of Lustig I'm a big Lustig fan. Um, Matthews comes on in this game, and Matthews, over the next couple of games, performs yep. fantastically well. Um, Mulgrew's playing at uh, left-back as opposed to playing as a centre-half as well, so that's obviously a little bit of a changer. He went on to centre-back after this, didn't he? Yeah, and he got played of the year. Um, you know, Ambrose at this point was still kind of had a lot of... Uh, Ambrose was still good at this point. Um, Kayal, Wanyama, just that power, that um, kind of... Power and precision. I was never a, a Kyle. My impressions of Kyle and what he kind of came here to do kind of dropped off quite quickly in regard to I think he wanted out a lot quicker than maybe he should have. Um, yeah. And I, maybe that's maybe that's hindsight as well. But you know, I thought Wanyama was just the archetype number six slash eight. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if you look at that midfield of Commons, Ledley, Kyle, Wanyama. 
it, it really, you know, Ledley and Commons playing technically wide in a, in, a, in a four, they're not wide players. You know, Commons is a 10 and Ledley's a central midfielder. So, and, and again, like Alan says about... I always think you learned that from Stratton. Sorry to but in. No, no. I always felt like the the memories of Stratton playing central players wide, wide. Yeah. really stuck because yeah. Lennon did it a lot as well. Um, but I, that, and yeah. I think it comes down to trust with Lennon and I think he, he looks at that and you're spotting from the start. He picks players that he thinks, I trust them. I, I, I would rather them than a player that's maybe more naturally gifted in that position because they're better players and I can trust them to do have more of an impact in the game and he he, oh, he went with that and you know I'm not, not saying it's wrong but that that was what he did and he, he yeah, stuck yeah. with it I mean Scott Brown's not yep. on the on he's on the bench uh, yep. you know also Samanas is on the bench Miku's on the bench Tony Watts on the bench it's a you know this is the time where not to go look back in, in a negative point of view but this is the time where it is kind of like you know where are the players coming through like let's you know we can't afford to we can't, you can never afford to lose games as a Celtic manager, of course, but like we can't afford to kind of mix things up and develop players a little bit more. But oh, Lennon never did. And, and, and I think there was one. There was one game that season. Um, I think it was a two-two draw against Hibs at Celtic Park, and um, what's the Jackson Urban had played, mm-hmm. yep. and it, he did one of the open goals fairly recently, maybe in the last year or so. Um, and he admittedly said he didn't have a good game. I think the the Twardzik, one of the Twardzik brothers, had played as well. And he said he went into the dressing room and Lennon like torn up his shreds in front of everybody. Um, and it was almost as if Lennon was saying, "Well, there's what happens when I play Aye, yeah. the youths." Mm-hmm. And it was almost as if his mind was made up before the result happened. He was kind of looking for that because I think he put too many in at the one time, mm-hmm. um, and obviously it cost us a result. See, um, it's, uh, there's a note here after the Inver- so the, the Inverness game, which we lost one 0 which was the previous league game. Neil Lennon's side had lost two out of their last three home league matches, with the other a draw, all after midweek European matches. We lost to Kilmarnock um, after I don't know if it was Benfica, and it's the worst game of football I've ever been at. It really, it really was. When I think about what's your worst experiences at Celtic Park, it really was that game because it was. I've never seen Celtic be so. That's a question. That's a great question. Yeah, it, it was another pod. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was so abject. It wasn't even that we lost. It was just how we lost, and it was the the players really not giving a fuck. And me thinking, we're here. This is our church, and we're here to you know lay praise at your feet. And you are literally not arsed in any way. And I remember just being really, really angry. But again, could afford to do it. But I also remember a lot of. A lot of fans being quite upset about it as well. Yep, definitely. And there was um, just looking in the Celtic wiki there, who, as we always say, this course, is a yep. great resource. There had been a wee bit of aggro with Lennon and the fans after that Inverness game the week before. Um, and that's something that Lennon, I remember even as, because I sat in the main stand, but you would often see that even when he was a player, he would bite back um, at the fans when there was a bit of kind of groans in the crowd and... Yeah, it was just the kind of manner of man which we would come to see in kind of full flow um, not that long ago. Um, but we'll move on from that. But the game itself, it was, a, it was anyway a sort of evening fixture at Tynecastle under the lights, perfect um, conditions. And we just kind of swatted them aside um, with some really good goals in it as well. So the goals came from Lassad um, with a brilliant cross from Commons and a lovely, a lovely finish and Gal, you'd mentioned earlier today, but Lassad, there was 
watching these highlights back over the over this period, he, he definitely had some attributes that it was maybe just kind of beyond his best when he got to him, but he definitely contributed over this short period anyway. He looked to me like a guy that, I, I think you're right in regards to maybe he was just kind of on the, the down curve, but he had a lot of great technique. And I think he he's a guy who, I think if you played him a little bit more or like we talk about with Lennon, you talk about trust. And the same thing with Samaras as well. I think Lennon, there are certain players, certain managers come in and they're like, okay, you are a bit of an enigma. I'm going to figure out how to play you and get the best out of you. I don't think Lennon ever did that. I think Lennon played you. Ah, it's not working. Boom, you're on the bench or boom, you're out the door. He wasn't one for, and never has been one for, developing a player like like an Ange Postacoglu would. Um, and, and I think Lissad had a lot of um, attributes, as I say, that I think could have been exploited a little bit better. Um but, you know, ultimately he didn't play as much as I think well he would have wanted. But these three these three games, uh he's got big moments in them. Specifically this game. The finish uh for the first goal, great ball over for Commons, and as as Alan says when we literally just watched it back, his eyes on the ball the whole time and he hits it low and hard into the bottom bottom corner and a lot of players would have blasted that over, Alan. Yeah, I think on on him generally, it is a really good goal. It's uh I mean, the delivery is excellent. There's some really great deliveries in this game. Um, I think his issue was putting it together consistently. Probably. He, he always had good moments and he had the capability, but just doing it regularly. And that, a lot of the time, is the difference. Um, but no, it's, it's a really, really nice finish. And the, the delivery from Commons is, is excellent. And I think this game overall, well, obviously we'll talk about each of the goals, but I think it highlighted a lot of what Lennon wanted to see. Yeah. Putting the balls into areas... You know, not, not too happy to lose possession, and I don't mean that as in that was the aim. But if you lose the ball high up the park, so be it. Get the ball into an area. Don't wait too long. Don't allow defenses time to set. You wanted to that um, kind of bring him back the thunder. All the things we'd heard, rock and roll football, all this kind of thing. That's what it was. It was, you know, fairly basic, straightforward. But at times there was a lot of quality, and at its best, it could be really good to watch. And nights like this they are a joy and yeah. when you play like this you don't I think sometimes because we obviously talk a lot about Celtic as everyone does sometimes you get bogged down in the bigger picture there is nothing better than when you either at the game watching the TV watching the pub and you put on a performance like this it is just it just you forget everything else for 90 minutes and more I, I, I want to just say this uh, for this podcast I will put all my uh, judgments on Chris Commons aside <laughs> we might need to do it for a couple of guys to be honest <laughs> Barry mentioned Lennon we've talked about Commons let's talk about let's play the Frankie Valley music in the background we'll go back to this day in 2012 absolutely um, so I just have to say that Commons' delivery and Mulgrew's delivery and I know we'll, we'll get to it overall but outrageous yeah. like absolutely outrageous and lift, that's lift that goes back to what I was saying like at the start like getting the, those technicians on the pitch because they can do that it's almost like they couldn't they could do that without playing particularly well because they'll always have that in the locker and that kind of just appealed to Lennon it can dig you out a hole and we, we did play yeah. well this night but it can dig you out the hole when you aren't playing well yeah. um, it's almost like a sort of a kick in American football isn't it see, see this team is sorry you go first Alan. Yeah, I, I think that idea though I think that's almost like a I don't know what the phrase would be like plausible deniability or something I don't know if that's but it's <laughs> sure. it's about the manager saying these players are really good. If they don't play well, what can I do? And he did that That's a lot. It. And the, 
that's correct, I suppose, to an extent. But when it happens a lot, it then doesn't become the players. So I think he never quite got over that. And he did it a lot when you think about it. And I'm, I'm not having a go here. But over his Celtic career, when you look at it, he, he wasn't afraid to put it on to the players and I think he, that's why he wanted a squad of players that were professionals and maybe had a bit of experience didn't, maybe it didn't work a lot with the younger players because he did need guys that would be willing to push back a little bit and say well you know that kind of old style of the managers of the goat me I'll show him the next game kind of thing it is nothing against it it's just it's in the maybe, past yeah, yeah I think it largely is yeah. it's a, it, there's a lot more to it now I would say um, in terms uh, of managing a, a group of professionals I mean we've got like the like Joe Ledley for example was on that open goal and he talks about how like kind of underplayed what not underplayed but like described Lennon's kind of input when it came to tactics and it was quite minimal Mm -hmm. and it really is this idea of I've got 11 players they know where they should be on a pitch they know where they should move to what more can I do yeah I just want to say something on, on this team though like uh, Foster, we got him on loan from Newcastle, got him from the Newcastle reserves. Ambrose, we got him for like two million quid from Israel. Wilson, a free. Mulgrew, a free. Lustig, a free. Uh, Commons, 200,000. Ledley, a free. Kayal, uh, we brought in from 1. Israel, 1.8 million quid. Wanyama, 200,000 pounds from uh, Beershot. Which I think we didn't even have to end up paying the full fee because they went out of business, didn't they? It was kind of scattered to yeah. uh, uh, Lasade, a free. Uh, Hooper, 2.5 million quid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 5 million quid for a team that get into the last 16 in the Champions League. It's outrageous. I mean, you literally sound like a Celtic board member right now. <laughs> no, this, but, this is the discussion they had when they brought him back in. Yeah, exactly. This happened in the Hamden showers. Five, five, five million down. Yeah. <laughs> five for a player. But, but you, that's, that is the thing, though. Like yeah. That legacy of, uh, well, you know, well, you're going to last 16 with pretty much nothing, so why can't you do it again, sort of thing. And uh, stuff like this is really, as much as it's incredible for us as fans watching it, it really kind of gives the board fodder, I yeah, think, to definitely. be like, well, you know, just shop around, my friend. Yeah, 100%. And just to go back to the point you were saying there, Gal, about like when Ledley and um, other players have come out, and I think they were kind of on that cusp of sort of older generation moving into the, the new generation yeah. of players and I think they quite liked that it was simplified like because it, it probably allowed them to get away with murder mm-hmm. technically absolutely yeah like I think led to a story that you never confirmed who the player was but I've since heard it was Forrest I think it was after we beat Barca or we, after we'd won one of these games in the Champions League he said that um, the players could have a, a day off or something like that and I think one of them was still hung over the day before the game and they actually missed the game the following weekend because they've been out. That's right, aye. Um, and then uh, and then kind of fast forward into Lennon's second um time in charge where players had moved on, but he hadn't. So even if players you see that when we won the League Cup final in uh, twenty nineteen um, when he says off tomorrow and they're all celebrating I can't keep celebrating more than the players I, I was about to say that he genuinely is delighted that he's given himself the day off Aye. but fucking hell the new generations of players have grown up with tactics even at like sort of grassroots grassroots level there is so much more into the game nutrition and all that now so it's very hard when you've had that up until that point and then this manager comes in particularly after Brendan Rodgers it was just never going to work on hindsight, wasn't it? We no. got a kind of initial bounce. Um, I think he's on the edge of it here, though, as well. Like, I, I think that like, this is the kind of last time he probably could have got away with it. Yeah. And, and we, when I say get, got away with it, he actually did a lot of really 
great things his first time round, no question. But it's kind of like that age where things start to really kind of ramp up in regards to football going up a gear in regards to professionalism, even in this country. So, yeah, this was probably, it was almost like uh, we talked about it, magic in a bottle. That is it. And a yeah. little bit, yeah. The, the eye of stars aligned. Um, so the next goal was Lustig, um, kind of ball into the box and it kind of breaks loose um, and he kind of hits it in a save from the keeper. The keeper gets a hand and it goes into the back Great of the ball net. from Lassade. Yep, lovely. My boy. And next one's a, a Stevenson OG, which we all kind of cheered Delightful. loudly. Probably my favourite goal of the game. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why is that, Alan? Well, don't like him. So that Tony Ripper thing, why is he a... Because he wants to win. And then... The sort of you could argue this was the pick of the bunch, couldn't you? The the Hooper goal. Oh, easily. Lovely cross um from Mulgrew and it's cushioned internet as you said, Alan. So it's just the the lightness of the touches. It is a really, really good quality goal. Um it's the kind of goal you look at and think, just score like four of them a game and we should be fine because it makes it just look so comfortable. Yeah. The the delivery is perfect in the finish. It doesn't if he knows he doesn't have to do much other than just change the direction of the ball. I know it sounds so simple, but there's so many players that would completely fuck it in that scenario. And Gary Hooper, I mean, he had a lot of different types of goal and this is fairly unique. Yeah, and I think the fact that you say that it it, it looks on the, the sort of face of it, it doesn't have much to do and it's even compounded with his celebration because he just kind of stops yeah. and puts his hands up as if, of course, I was going to score. And, similar um, to his celebration at Ibrox as well, where he yeah. does something very similar. Just kind of reminds me of that kind of arrogance of a striker that just thinks, mm, good goalie. What's the kind of consensus on Hooper? Because we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago with Eddie and I really liked him. I think he's maybe, maybe his role at Celtic's maybe downplayed by some Celtic support, uh, some of the Celtic support, but what's your kind of take on him? Um, I thought he was one of the most natural finishers we've had. Uh, I think he found space in a way that play, like you can't teach that old adage. Um, I really like him. I'm still a little bit bitter about how he left. I know it's, what, nine years later? But um, eight years later. But I, I just felt that I, I think for Celtic he was great. He was a, a, perfect for the time. I think I just I love a striker like that that doesn't. It's funny, like he had a little bit more to his game than Jack and Marcus, right? I think, and yeah, it, it's just that. I, I do love a player who just scores goals. You know, I see it specifically in a player in this sort of team where the delivery from Mulgrew is is incredible. And see, the other thing is what I was—I've watched the the highlights a number of times. The the ball in from Mulgrew, there's only there's only the fullback that Mulgrew has to beat, and there's no like the space between the fullback and the centre half is quite big, and there's no one there. And then the ball comes in, and it's only Hooper in the box. Now this is a goal that we've built up from, and I just think that. Mulgrew puts a ball in, and I, I'm, I'm guessing in his head, he's like, if I put in a good enough cross here, it, someone will get to it. But, you know, with Hooper in, in that sort of space and his anticipation, his technique, yeah. I I, I don't think, because we were talking about where you would put Hooper, we talk about tiers of a cynic, and where you would put Hooper in the tiers. I, you know, I think he's I think he's going to be a good level, but I, he's not going to be golden boots or anything. Oh. Um Oh, you seem really sad. <laughs> oh, you both seem really sad. Well, that's just me. Um, I really like him. I would have. It would have been good to have seen him um, maybe in another team. Yeah. Uh, you know, like playing with a different manager because I think another manager might have got a little bit more out of him. And we, yeah, yeah. Just before I bring you in, Alan, I think it's one of those players. I think is perfect for Celtic. Like we've often said about Paddy Roberts, the players like that have to be playing in a team that's on the front foot. 
front foot all the time and I think it was a sort of badly advised move. I think he was just desperate to get down south, but Norwich was a team who were never going to be... They were never going to do foot. what he needed. They signed him in uh, Van Wolfswinkle. Van Wolfswinkle yeah, Rick, Ricky Van Wolfswinkle. Uh, Another yeah. one who put us to the sword in uh, Aye. Um But no, um, I, I thought it was really good and uh, as you say, Gallup did kind of leave a bit of taste in the mouth the way that he left and I think he, he, I think it was worth more a a sort of a better move than Norwich. What's your thoughts, Alan? I liked him a lot, and I I, I liked the the fact that he, he scored goals in variety of competitions and a variety of different types of goal. A striker that sticks him out away against Rangers as well is always worth a wee bit more um, to me too. And I was I thought he would have done really well actually. Um, granted, Norwich probably wasn't the move, but I felt like he was mobile enough that he would be able to handle the physicality of playing down south, which I think sometimes can be the challenge. But he did have that ability to score a variety of goals. So I don't I don't think he was a, he was a failure down south because they spent five million on him. And he did he, he did get himself a couple of goals. He just never never took off in the same way. And that rhythm, that ability to be the man, he never quite had. No. So I, I was a bit disappointed. I don't think I was that bitter, to be honest, about him leaving. I don't think he's in that, I, I don't, that I don't, echelon of, I always felt like guys like that, a striker, and I mean, <laughs> I really liked him a lot, but when you hear him speak, and he, he very, you could see quite clearly that he wanted to play football down south, because that's where he grew up, he wanted to be the man down there, and I, I always felt like that was on the cards, to be honest, yeah, so I, I, yeah. I, I never really held it against him, like... See what I would say about him, he had a really low centre of gravity, he was really hard, but like Chris Commons had a low centre of gravity, but Chris Commons wasn't particularly fast, Gary Hooper wasn't particularly fast, but he was fast over five yards, yeah. and that's really, you know, that's the difference I think. It struck me as it was really handy for him that he was good at football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. See just on that, when you were saying that guy, the one, kind of, that kind of explosion of pace over a short period of time, I always remember the goal. Um, against Rangers where yeah. he took the touch mm -hmm. I think it was past David Weir oh yeah just oh yes or the, or the other the one, one at the, the other side game. yeah when he he really busts his ass to get there um, yeah Aye. but he's a guy who as Alan says I think if I'm looking at a Celtic striker there's a couple of things I want I want you to get over 20 goals in a season at least I want you to score against Rangers and I want you to score at the highest competition of European football that we're currently in and he did all three tick 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 yep. so you can't really complain I remember at that time, um, before I was um, a teacher, I was working in finance and um, my manager was one of one of the other lot, um, shall we say. And I remember saying to him, I had two wild statements and he always used to bring up the one that didn't turn out, but I said that Hooper would play for England in a major tournament. Didn't go so well, but I also said that Van Dyke would win the Champions League. Boom! 50-50. Yeah, so, good. Go. But that's how highly I rated Hooper at the time. It's yeah. probably a wee bit... I think I'm probably more you than... Gal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think, it, see if he'd got a move maybe to like an Everton, not like a top six team in England, but I think they would have had enough chances on Everton team to maybe get 12 to 14 goals in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. But Norwich, it was just, Norwich are still one of those clubs that just kind of yo yo one season. I, I mean, that, that's the thing. He started in the champ championship with Ro was it Rochdale. Um, Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe. Yeah, I always get those two mixed up for some reason. Uh, even though they have nothing comparable but uh, so he's at Scunthorpe he goes to Celtic and then you know he's what six months in the Premier League before they get relegated and then he's just right back to the Championship just a bit of a shame yeah he's a guy who probably would have done really well abroad I think 
but you know. I think he did it in the end go to Australia, didn't he? I mean, like way later. Ah, uh, yeah. I, now he's I, out I, in Cyprus with Lennon. <laughs> not not Lennon anymore. Hadn't even kicked a ball and Lennon was gone, I think. Because this is the season Michael Higdon goes mental right. and scores 40 billion goals and then he goes to like NEC Breda or somewhere. Like, it. Scottish players or Scottish based players you know going abroad I always think is you know probably better for them than going to the championship where you know you can have a good career but ultimately it's just a bit of a dirge that league definitely and we should we should mention before we move on uh, the goalkeeping display because I thought it was outrageous oh, of course, yeah. so throughout the match um, Fraser Foster has um, a number of great saves and it's worth mentioning that what two weeks just over two weeks before it was obviously the the wall the the great wall um and the the performance against Barcelona which was incredible and front page of the sort of Spanish Marca. newspaper Marca is yeah so he was in a great sort of vein of form at this time and we were laughing watching the highlights back so there's a sort of Keystone Cops moment between our two centre halves <laughs> Wilson and Ambrose where I mean, they both dummy the ball but seem to clean a Hearts player out and each other. <laughs> It's outrageous. Um, it's, it's just great fucking entertainment. Not at the time, presumably. No, no, no. Even three or four, nothing up. You don't want to make an ass yet. But I mean, it's just great to watch. You would love the Benny Hill music on that. <laughs> and then, surprise, surprise, Willie Colomb can't even get it right because he gives a free, gives kick. A free kick and the linesman says, no, it's about a yard inside the box. Um, and even though we were 4 0 up, was it 4 0 that day? Was it? Yeah, it was 4 0 at that time. Yeah. Um, you're still hoping to keep a clean sheet and a, a brilliant save. Just, it seems that. You almost got to the stage with Foster that you thought the odds were in your favour, that they were had a great chance of saving it because his record for saving penalties, even when he came back, was phenomenal. There's a, the highest mountain in Germany is in Bavaria. It's called the the Watsman or the Watsman, I don't know, however you pronounce it. And it's got two different peaks. And that that's Foster for me because peak one is just slightly higher than peak two, but he definitely had two peaks at Celtic. And this is peak one because he starts to get to that era where remember at first he was he just didn't have any confidence and he had to build himself up. And I think it's quite funny even looking at this when we watched the highlights before this, he's he, he just physically looks huge. I mean it literally looks like the top he's wearing does not fit him. It's like the incredible Hulk's about to bust out, you know? It's yeah. it is like the the elf meme where when he's sitting in the sky studio. But then obviously there's a long time in between a lot happens he goes away he comes back but when he comes back he then has to build up again and then he does have a that second peak and it's quite I mean it's quite rare for a player to come back and not just do well but really hit the heights that he did I mean one of the ultimate I've got half an hour and I've had a couple of drinks watches on YouTube as without doubt the League Cup final 2019 we've done it many times this month um, <laughs> it is just and I think it is quite incredible but this is him getting into that first peak and it, it was really good because there was a lot of work to get into there and it's quite poignant as well as I say on the highlights we watched the camera pans to Stevie Woods after um, he saves the penalty and there was a lot this is the period where you do start to look and say Stevie was has actually done a really good job because he did build him up from a player who had a lot of natural ability and he had a lot of the physical characteristics but he did have no confidence whatsoever she just done that as well and I remember guy doesn't sit he used to sit behind me at Celtic Park now, uh, then but doesn't anymore he used to go mental see every half time five minutes before the team would come out Stevie Woods would be kind of hitting shots yeah. at Foster and he would say what kind of that just it's trying to build Foster's confidence up, but it just inspires confidence in another team because I think, God, this keeper's needing 
shooting practice at half time during the game, but you could see that because it did happen nearly every game at half time, but it did have the impact because he reached the heights that you could argue maybe only one other goalkeeper in our time of watching Celtic has got to that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I actually think you could maybe argue that this peak Foster is better than peak Boric. You could argue it. Yeah, I'm not saying it's true. The yeah. I, I do think Boric at one time was probably one of the top three goalkeepers in Europe, but that's another discussion. Yeah, uh, but just everything that came out, specifically, you know, over this like small period, this small sample size, um, <laughs> the, like wrong pod, mate. Wrong pod. <laughs> he saves, you know, he saves two free kicks. One of them's just a, a, a really good save. The other one is a good save and then a fantastic reaction save, and then the penalty stop is just outrageous. The, I think the other thing we noticed from the penalty as well, it's a good save, but he doesn't even reach that far. As it, not as in it's a bad penalty, but it it is like it, it looks comfortable. It's like it could have put it another yard wider, and they'd probably still saved it. Um, so I, I think it is, as you say, obviously comes on to have one of these incredible the La Grand Morale performance, but he is hitting that first peak and. It, it was a great find, but it wasn't always like that. And it did. No. It, he was the kind of idea that you find someone and you need to work with them and mould them. And again, probably another one that was a good time for him. Yeah, definitely. And oh, oh no, you just um, just on that penalty as well. I think the the sort of strength that he had in those wrists because how often have we seen that? <laughs> Barry's holding his hands at the moment, just for anybody listening. He's holding them, looking at them as if he's like, I don't Trying know, like a, a comic book and he's thinking, how do I channel this power? <laughs> <laughs> but he pushes it so far wide of the goal and um, it was like, it's a criticism of like, a Craig Gordon who would always sort of palm it into yeah, a Sky balls. commentator would use the expression he's pawed it away You're, that's exclusively reserved for goalkeepers with large hands and big frames I like it pause it away Celtic have only picked up five points out of the last 15 available to them Will Lennon desperately looking to gain some consistency Commons Lassar at the bar post a beautifully controlled volley by the Tunisian the striker on the end of Chris Commons cross deep to the back post but just look at the control in the finish the cross from Chris Commons was perfect onto the right boots Mulgrew back to Hooper now Victor Wanyama just clipped out wide that's good play by Celtic fired across by Lassad oh and there's Mikhail Lustig who continued his run and it's a rare goal for the Swede it was Lustig who won the ball back fed Lassad who fired it across and when Hearts couldn't clear their lines there was the Swedish international Lustig returns it Chris Commons with the left foot flipped on by Hooper there's Mulgrew oh and turned into his own net it took a touch off Ryan Stevenson Commons with the initial cross Mulgrew chased it down fired it across and Stevenson had to do something and he was unlucky to see it in the back of his own net Mulgrew Scott Brown now the former Hibernian player Mulgrew we know all about 
His delivery, and he finds Gary Hooper. That's number four, Gary Hooper, with his 11th goal of the season. Just his fourth in the SPL. So, yep, um, a great sort of performance and uh, resounding victory at Tynecastle, which always is welcome. And then moving on to the next game, which was the Scottish Cup fourth round game against Abroath. Um, and we'll just touch on this briefly, but we mentioned earlier about Lennon being sort of reticent to give youth players a chance. And what would transpire in this game kind of gave him more sort of um, sort of credence to why he wouldn't do it, um, rightly or wrongly. Um, I'll just read through the team and then I'll take both of you guys' um, sort of memories of this game and the overall picture. So, with Zaliska in goals, Matthews, Ambrose, Lustig, Thomas Ronya, Chalmers, Brown, Rabu, Rabu Ibrahim, Dylan McGeoch, Wanyama and Miku. Um, so, as I said, Gal, a lot of sort of young players in there and a lot of players who'd maybe come in out of the cold for this um for this game. You can understand why he did it because of the level that I brought for it, the second division at this time, two divisions below Celtic. So what are your memories or maybe not your memories, but just your thoughts on this game and that sort of level of performance or result against a, a sort of minnow? You know, the way that like um you know when Martin O'Neill came in he won a like a treble straight off the bat and obviously Brendan Rogers won trebles and like uh, there's a whole big thing about how he, even in a, in, a, in, a, in a league where Rangers are active, right, come back from life and all that, zombies, um, that, you know, you, you still win the treble. Celtic under Neil Lennon, when it came to Cups, w- w- atrocious. Yep. Utter, specifically home ties, like losing to Greenock Morton, losing to Aberdeen, losing, like these league, ga- league Cup games or Scottish Cup games where we should win. He didn't really take them that seriously. Um, this team is... Horrendous. Yeah, it's just you know, like Zaluska, Matthews, Ambrose, uh, Lustig. Okay, that's fine. But Ronya, Charmers, Ibrahim, McGeech, and Miku. That's no disrespect to any of those players. I'm not saying they're bad players, but it's just kind of like okay, we've got some youngsters and we got a, a, a new import. Let's just throw them all in, as opposed to being like okay, let's balance this team out because we need to help. You know, McGeech's in midfield, so who can we who can we pair him with? I think kind of nurture them along into the game, and it, it, it's just it's just kind of thrown together and has kind of disinterest almost and in, in, in cups I found I found quite bizarre to be honest but you know yeah I think Neil Lennon's disinterest in this game might be matched by my own because I yeah. genuinely have almost zero recollection of it which leads me to two conclusions one I didn't go which sorry self no fancy <laughs> absolutely did not no fancy, fancy it no. or um, intended to go and probably stay in the pub and I'll just be entirely honest about that so I'd like to Ten years later, apologise to Neil Lennon. It was my fault that it was a disappointing Jesus. game. But it sounds like the kind of game I probably would patch, hundred percent. Like, but I mean, like the fact is, it, especially at that time, it finished one each. Uh, they scored in the like eighty seventh minute after we scored an own goal. Uh, oh, they've been away, but then anyway, perfect. But <laughs> stoking the fires for Twitter. The, the fact of the matter is, though, uh, we beat them one nil in the in the return. It's not like. You know, you, you, sometimes you think, okay, you, you get the wee team, like they've done their best, and then you turn them over, like whatever the second leg is. And it's just. Yeah. It, 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 I think it is kind of fair to point out that the record in cups under Neil Lennon at home, Hamden, was just really, really poor. 
Um, Losing cup finals as well. Yeah, <laughs> aye. So it's, it's not as if it's just one type of game. It is, you know, there's a kind of tendency, but th- I think we are looking at that as well through the prism of having been through the last five, six years where we just made all the cups our own. Um, the for cups, cups coming out of Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sicker on that Celtic way. Yeah. Drinking, celebrating, it's a nightmare. <laughs> just uh, much like yourself, like I, I don't remember much about this game and when we were talking about this before, um, we started recording. The one thing that did jump out at me was I remember Ibrahim playing. Um, and it was, I know he'd come in, I think it was a free transfer when we signed him. He'd been out of, out of contract. And, oh, out of contract, there's another one. There we go. Um, but he did have this sort of, there was a bit of hype around him. And I remember Lennon spoke um, spoke of him highly. I think he'd come on trial. And the fact that we'd had a trialist who'd, who'd actually signed. Um, and he looked to have technical ability. But I just remember he, was, he looked miles off it. And this game, if he couldn't perform against a team two divisions below us, the sort of alarm bells were ringing. And just on Miku here, um, from that it looks like Miku was up front on his own. I think Ibrahim was maybe in behind him. Um, and that wasn't the days before... This was the days before, sorry, when one striker was the norm because we were, we maybe tried that against Rangers and sometimes in Europe where we'd have Samaras up front on our own, but at that point to go, to completely change your formation for a, a game against a broth, as you say, Gal, with loads of untested um, and untried youngsters and it was just at this game as well. I mentioned there Ibrahim didn't perform, but the alarm bells were starting to ring and questions were being asked of Miku because he had come in yeah. under quite a fanfare. I think he'd scored twice at the Bernabeu the season before um, for, was it Valladolid? Or, mm. Yeah. Um, oh no, was it Murcia maybe? I can't remember. What team was he unknown from? I think it might have been Murcia. Murcia. Oh nice, Murcia. Murcia. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that was the, because I remember when Miku came in, Miku and Lassa had come in, I think maybe just after we'd qualified for the Champions League. Yeah, because um, La- Miku played against Barcelona. That's right. Um, and it was kind of starting to see, even though we had, had big results and um, we were sort of performing well around this period, the summer signings, particularly those forwards, there were question marks about them. Um, yeah. And the fact that we'd brought these players to come in and sort of supplement Gary Hooper, they weren't doing it on a consistent basis. So just thought I'd point out there that the sort of press and the fans were starting to kind of question Miku himself what do you now? he played for a lot of clubs he really did um, he really Miku? did sorry not really did um, Getafe that's where he came from so stick your Murcia up Murcia. your ass he, he did play for them I think he currently plays for them actually maybe that's where you're getting confused oh Miku does he? Hmm? Oh. wait is he? he is I fucking feel like I'm the producer here <laughs> doing your job um, I don't know 2020 minus 1985, Barry. No pressure, mate. 85, 95, 2005, 2037. 37. Jesus, good for him. Um, was there not something just off on a tangent here? But Give me a shout if he's any better <laughs> else, lads. <laughs> did he not, Stephen Lennon got that Nicosia <clears throat> job? Did he not mention that he saw a picture of Miku? I think Miku, did Miku play for them? Or many uh, Nicosia? Yes, 2019 to 20. Played nine games, zero goals. It was one of those clips where he said, oh yeah, um... I had Miku at Celtic and it's like, oh, we got him really well and I think Miku had absolutely slaughtered him in a, in a, in a press conference. So Lennon really does go for the, when he goes somewhere, it's like... It's like me and football manager. Uh, I just, I, whenever I go, I just go, Celtic reserves, in. boom, get come in. Lovely. I know these guys, I can work with them. Yeah, they know right. me. No, no. 
Aye, yeah. so should point out that the um, win against Hearts was Lennon's 100th win as manager. And also, just on the cup thing, that draw with Arbroath, it just adds another fixture because it goes to a replay. So it's just an extra fixture that you don't particularly want. Definitely. And we'd said there about, at the start, about Lennon sort of chopping and changing teams, which you could argue was completely justified because of the results that we did get in mm. Europe and as we'll come on to shortly, um, getting to the last 16. Mm. But you kind of feel like I particularly felt the Cups took on more importance in that that time because they weren't in the league. And we thought, right or wrong, we think we've got a, a free run to kind of get our trophy count up. But it seemed to me that Lennon didn't share that. Like he, Absolutely not. He would, if you were going to make the changes, as Gal said, you would put one or two of the youngsters in, but do enough to win the game and then you could bring them on as, as substitutes. But it was something that almost became like a who do the cups. Um, and it, it just always annoyed me how he never took them seriously. I think that that point is definitely one that I shared at the time of when Rangers, you did see it as right, let's really, and we didn't at first, obviously we would go on in later, but the frustration that I think then boiled over to Dyla because the frustration of kind of not taking the chance to win doubles and trebles much more regularly. Um, I think you've seen that. And then I think the, the final straw, obviously, was losing two Rangers in a cup. And it, was like, it wasn't like it was just that, because obviously that's horrible and that's horrendous whenever it happens. But that then it was like, actually, we, we've we pissed away. I know that's, that's harsh, because Ronnie actually did well, and just so did Neil Lennon, because he won the league. But I think you did feel as if, nah, actually... Well, playing within ourselves we but it's been a number of years now without Rangers. We need to kick on and then them coming back into the league, I think, then kind of pushed us a little bit that bit more. That push wasn't there. And I think European results covered for that. That's what I was gonna say. Then when the European res- results were started to dip off and it was just Europa League and you weren't doing well on that, that's when I think it was like, nah, you need to improve. So I don't think it was just you can't look at it as just one season or one event. It's a kind of it was a whole sort of four years, wasn't it? Yeah. See if you take out the now. So getting to the last sixteen is a, a mammoth, you know, mammoth thing. So I can't. You're not going to take that away away from Neil Lennon. But what I would say is like outside of that, and that is just one season because the the rest of the Champions League campaigns weren't particularly good. No. I mean, the season after this, I think, is probably one of our worst ever. Um, but. You know, there's a lot of competent managers who probably could have done what Neil Lennon done domestically with those players and maybe more. And that's kind of the thing about, you know, his motivation to... There are certain managers who have a motivation to be the best. Brendan Rodgers is a guy who wants to be the best. Uh, Ange Postacoglu is a manager who wants to be the best and they want to win everything. Like Ange Postacoglu talks about winning every single game because, you know, you treat each game as the same. Whereas I think Lennon, even at that time, was sort of like, eh, we don't need to win the Cups because as long as we win the league. You know, and that, that strive for excellence at every level, I'd never had, I think Lennon never had that. Definitely, and I think it was almost like, he said that, like, oh, well, what more do you want? Like, we're top of the league. Treble? We want a fucking treble. Hi, hi, And it's almost like, oh, we can't have that, like, as if they were mutually exclusive. The yeah. Managers since then have shown that you can. If, if your team's motoring on all fronts, it actually aids you in all competitions. I reckon if you play this last five minutes to Neil Lennon or any of Neil Lennon's... Accolades. Representatives, Siamese, accolades. He Siamese would boy. absolutely be fucking screaming, saying, "Oh, they've done great." Last sixteen, genuinely, I think, and and I think I, I'm not even talking down to that. I think it is 
if we had a manager that could win trebles and get in the last 16, then brilliant. Look, and hopefully we do. But it, I think... I'm not even talking about that. Take, take this season out of it. See the season after this. Mm-hmm. Again, he's still, he's still got the same attitude towards the Cups. Yeah. I, I just mean, and by the way, I, I totally understand why you'd be screaming at it. And I get it. We are Celtic fans and we want everything. Because we have high standards. And that's what I think sets us above. And we're always going to find something to moan about with every manager. And I think that's okay. I do. Um, but just with Lennon, I think, I just don't know why he didn't want to win. It's almost like he wasn't bothered. And that, that I'm not saying, I'm not taking anything away from him at all. What I'm saying is, I just don't understand why he wouldn't want to try and win a treble. Because it felt like he didn't give a fuck. Yeah. I think just very quickly, because obviously we'll, we'll go on, but I think one of the things, having had Neil Lennon over a long period of time and a number of different spells, he can't go hell. He can't see those big moments, those best moments. If you want to put some of it down to him, which I think as a manager you, you do need to. Oh yeah, of course. And yeah. the way he, and you hear Ledley talk about it, you hear a lot of the players, the way that he motivates them. He can't do that week on week because it wears thin too quickly. Yeah. He needs to reserve that for the occasions because if you do that when you're at home at Arborough, when, when, when it comes Spartak, to Bar- yeah. Barcelona, Spartak, it, nah, because it's, it needs yeah. to be different, it needs to feel different and he get a buzz off that, the players get a buzz off that and it gave them maybe that extra wee bit to be more compact, defend, do whatever, you know, run that extra yard, but all those things. So I think that's just one of the things and I think you only yeah, really right. see that when you've had them over a long period of time, like um, Ammonia fans, you know, they seen it Man United, um, the away game, you know, I think maybe somebody's watched that. You can get you can get players to probably do things beyond what they're good at. That plus a little bit of luck and you can get some of the most incredible results in your history. I know they just fell short at the end, but then when they're looking in the league and they're like, they're ninth, Seventh, you know, and that's yeah. no, that's when it then, so there's a kind of co- yeah. cost benefit to, to that. And if you, if you don't get those results and it has those fine margins, then actually the, if you're not in Europe next year because you're mid-table in the league, it doesn't matter a fuck. So yeah. that's the kind of thing that Neil Lennon's kind of, and being in a team in a league with no Rangers to allow it to build up that speed probably helped and was was good. Yeah, and yeah. you know, as I say, you know, he, he got us to the last 16 and you can't take that away from him. You yeah. know. You're enough. dying to. Yeah, I mean, oh, you're, you're I'd love dying to be able to. I'd love to surgically take <laughs> it away from him, but I, you can't. Right, well, we get I wonder what you would say if you tried to take it off him. Don't. Get off me. <laughs> <laughs> see, I just queued him up there yeah. and he just knocked it right apart. Uh, beautiful. Let's get to the main event then. Um, so, Going into uh, the match against Spartak, and it's worth mentioning the, the sort of performances that we'd had up to this point. So we had a, a draw against Benfica at home, where that was really disappointing. Yeah, I think we had a few injuries, didn't we? That game there was a few key players missing. I think we were lucky not to lose that game. Aye, I, I remember Kel- Kelvin Wilson did really last kind of gasp uh, challenge when the guy was going through. Um, we'd gone away to Barcelona and uh, taken the lead, and then sort of narrowly. Um, Lost at the end, didn't we, with the Jordi Alba? And then we. Last kick of the ball, was it? Aye. I always hated him after that, to be honest. I loved him before and I hated him after. Definitely. Um, Then we'd obviously had the the Spartak Moscow away game, which was our first victory in the the Champions League away from home. And that was a brilliant game. It had everything, didn't it? Um, I wish I remember watching that in the pub uh, in the Queen's Park Cafe. uh, And it was like one of those, because I think it was an early kickoff, because it was was. was in Russia. it was just stowed 
and it was just the atmosphere was fucking brilliant. And we when we went ahead and stuff, like everyone was crazy, and then we get paid back. Then it was two on, and it was like everyone kind of just went, oh well. And a lot of people just turned their back, not turned their back, but just be like, you'd be so focused in this game, and it's like, oh well, we're two on down, so they just start talking to their pal, you know, whatever. And then just the ending, just yeah, it was a, a magical, uh, magical, and that black strip, which was mm-hmm. brilliant. all the strips it's worth mentioning. The strips this Gorgeous. season were all belters. Um, and then it all sort of came down to um, this sort of finishing game. So we were into this game on seven points, um, and it was all to play for. The only worry was that Barcelona had already qualified, hadn't they? And they'd played a very sort of weakened team this night against Benfica at home. Um, so it was kind of, as always seemed to be the case in those days, um, even going back to O'Neill's time, we knew that the odds were maybe against us, but we're just hoping that something magical would happen. I think it was a case of just do all you can do, just and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I've omitted from there, but we mentioned it earlier the the magical night against Barcelona. So that had sort of whetted the appetite because how good the the fan display was that night, the performance. We were hoping just give us. There's been so much put into this group. Um, the the beating Barcelona, the um, being unlucky away from home. Um, obviously the, the winning our first Champions League away game so we thought it would be horrible to get to this point and we just fall short so um, go into this game and what's your sort of memories what your, can you remember how you felt going into this game or I think you you felt like you had the comfort blanket potentially of the, the other game and so it didn't feel like it was this <clears throat> very straightforward scenario of just go and win the game which you know you do that and then great. But it did feel like you were kind of thinking, but we do have a wee comfort blanket, which, I mean, it's very rare now, you know, Champions League to have not one, but two routes to kind of qualifying. So, um, but you're just excited for a big night. You know that this team and that manager were, were capable of doing something special on the night. And it really didn't disappoint. Um, it was... A fantastic atmosphere, but there was a lot of quality in the game as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> actually, a really, really good game of football. Um, not the time you don't enjoy it; you no. feel sick as soon as it starts. You just think, oh, I "No!" But it it was a really good game of football. Um, yeah, but it was a really, really great night, Celtic Park. And there is something I, I know it's a very short and brief history. Celtic and Spartak just immediately. There's so many memories. Yeah. And I think, sorry guys, just before you come in, that um, the fact that Aidan McGeady was playing for them at that time as well, and there was a nice moment towards the end of the game that we maybe talk about, but can I watch your sort of memories of this game, going to the game? Were you at the game for this? Or, no, I no? watched this uh, with my, my dad in the pub. I was I, I couldn't afford a season ticket at this point. Um, I My memories of this are nerves. Yeah. Really, really nerves. I try to think about how, you know, Nervous in a very different way. There are certain games you watch and you're a bit nervous because you, you you want Celtic to perform. Because if they don't perform, you know they could be in trouble. They could you know get a bit of a doing. Matches like that, you kind of the nerves kind of are undone. I think in a way by how Celtic perform. This was more about we're so close. Uh, just don't fuck it up. Um, and it was that whole feeling came over me the whole game even yeah. even you know we'll talk about the penalty and everything and even just right up to the very minute I thought please don't um, this was Celtic's 150th game in the European Cup uh, yeah, it, it was a nice uh, kind of uh, wee bit but um, 
just nerves. I did not enjoy this at all. Even even when I watched it again, like to, over the last couple of days, I st- like there still have a wee shiver right. up my spine when I'm like, I remember how nervous I was. But you know, glorious, a glorious, glorious day, um, and glorious night and glorious uh, game. Dave, I remember for this campaign, um, it's the, probably the only Champions League campaign since all the ones I've been at. I wasn't in my own seat, so um, sometimes in the main stand, like UEFA would take over sections of the stand, and this happened to be one. So I remember me and my cousin got one up the very back row um, of the the north stand, and it was right on the halfway line. Um, and I'm quite grateful for that because I had a much better view. I see the fan display against Barcelona because you could see everything happening. And I think just from that sort of vantage point as well. It felt, I think that added to my nerves because you've got the comfort blanket of, of where I normally sat. I sat there when Martin O'Neill was a manager and how we'd done well and all that. And it would tend to transpire that it matters not a fuck given how we, <laughs> we do it at home in Europe nowadays. But no, it just felt, you were just full of expectation. And much like you, Gal, you didn't want all those great nights that we've had over the past couple of months prior to this was don't ruin it. Don't let it go to waste because we'd gotten the monkey off our back with the, the first away one. We'd beaten Barcelona and it would have been true Celtic style to put all that effort in and then we don't get the sort of fruits of our, our reward. But we'll just get straight into the team then. So Foster and goals. Um, Ambrose, sorry, Izagiri, Ambrose, Wilson, Mulgrew and Lustig. We had Brown, Commons, Kyal, Samaras and Hooper. So Is that a back five? Is that I think three five or two? Maybe Mulgrew nah, maybe play in midfield? Yeah, I think you'd be looking at that kind of... Mulgrew on the left? A slight shuffle. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I guess yeah. Commons played on the right at that time, so I think Mulgrew was on the left. I instantly just see Mulgrew and I think centre half, to be fair, so yeah. Aye, I, Mulgrew on the left, Commons on the right, and Brown and Kyle, Kyle in the middle. I think the only times really we, we, we would off. have went for that would have been in the Barcelona game when really, I, I never forget asking Chris Commons to play as a, a right winger <laughs> and just track up and down the line, and to be fair, he did, did do pretty did. well. Aye. Yeah. aye. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, just full of expectation going into the game and um, it was one of those, I remember we started the game and it didn't really allay the, the fears because it was a wee bit ragged to start with. No Wanyama as well, if I remember right. Yeah, I think was he suspended or? Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. He'd picked up a few yells, hadn't he? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was a worry because he had performed so well, particularly the two Barcelona games. I think that's what kind of got him his move, wasn't it, in the summer after this? Yeah, and I think you could, at that level as well, he did, there was a calmness to him. He, he did pretty much what he did domestically in Europe as well, and that he was happy with the ball, he, was, he didn't rush things, and I think sometimes that calming influence in the aligning team could be quite useful, quite helpful. Yeah, one of the criticisms of Onyama, I always remember, was his use of the ball, but I remember in this campaign, it was very good. He kept it simple and... Thinking back to Moscow, I remember he wins the ball mm-hmm. um, before Lustig crosses in for Hooper. But see, see what I think it's quite interesting. Like we always talk about, like um, so, like modern day, we talk about uh, Jack Mack is not doing enough off the ball or not working hard enough or not working smart enough. I guess it's a Champions League game, and we've got Samaras and Commons, who are guys you would maybe the thing you'd level at them is they're maybe not as disciplined as yeah. they probably w- would be. Commons under Lennon. It was very different though with Commons under Ronnie, as yeah. I think we probably all <laughs> remember. But like even for the first goal, like where Samaras picks the ball up and like it's his pass to um, Hooper, we'll talk through it. Generous. Like, Generous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Aye, fair enough. Um, but like him being in that position and launching that ball, it's just kind of like, I don't want to say it's unstructured, but it's just very, you go and do your thing, pal. I think 
Sorry, Alan. I think that Samaras had performed so well um, in Europe for us. I remember the season before the Udinese away where he was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, and he just seemed to have that sort of long gallop, didn't he, down the left-hand side. So he was coming off the left, um, even for the goal as well, as you mentioned, Gal. But I think he was given that freedom. And because he had that burst of pace and the physicality... He, Love him, by the way. I, Absolutely adore him. He kind of put the fear of God into... <laughs> Defenders as well as us. See when, as well. He, sorry, uh, see when he just ran with the ball direct, like he could, he, just his footwork was just excellent at times, and also he would run into players. Just, <laughs> but, just before Alan came on, see when he used to do those glide and slide. Oh, I love oh, that. I loved that for about three quarters of his career. The last <laughs> quarter at Celtic, though, it was just like for <laughs> um, European nights. For I think Samaras, I mean, he, he has. He, I know he's a cult hero. Um, I did love him um, and do love him, sorry. But he, consistency was nothing. You'd never get a, a, a Samaras regularly. But Neil Lennon and other man, you would go to him because in nights like this, because the the benefit of him doing it on a night like this changed what you could do a wee bit because he, he had the ability to receive the ball where the defender is back and if he did get turned and he did drive you could really turn that team round and in Europe that's invaluable you look at this team not a lot of ball carriers you know I mean Samaras Brown the two only yeah. ball carriers in the team Mulgrew in a way yeah, he's, he's not a runner though do yeah. you know what I mean he's, he's, he's to, and they could all do different things but Samaras and Brown could pick the ball up and I mean, drive with yeah, it yeah, yeah, um, and Samaras particularly could do it in from almost a standing start. So I think he was really important to what you tried to do, especially in European nights. It's really hard to describe. If you've never seen Samaras outside of even just clips, because a lot of the clips are just goals or whatever, it's really hard to describe to someone what he was like because he was very fast. He was very good with the ball at his feet. I'm going to describe him like he was fucking Pelly, right? But he was in flashes and then... Is is all around playing how we play? Like cult figure is very good because like the like Chris Bowd will not hear a word against Samaras, whereas I'm more balanced and I could say you know he was great in, on on some days and other days he was just miles off it. But it's hard to describe him. How would you describe him? It was like an unfavoured horse in a race. <laughs> yeah, because once he get going, yeah. and if he horse is a good description. See if he was about I don't know I don't really know how to describe horse racing, but see if he was not a favourite. And maybe he didn't start particularly well, but once he got going, everybody could see he was going to win. Okay. And then if he got going, it would be then everybody knew it. And it would be, I would imagine, what it's like on the last day of air races when everybody's got <laughs> 100 quid on the horse. Because if it worked out, he was going all the way, baby. Yeah, one thing I'll say about Sammy as well, um, he never didn't want the ball. I never had. Yeah. He never had. He always wanted the ball, even if he was having a bad game. And I really respect that. That's something I think, good for you, big man. I, I would say... You often, you often hear that sort of flawed, you, flawed genius where that normally relates to off the field um, mm-hmm. sort of escapades but I think Sammy on his day was unplayable but if that was his day all the day, all the time it wouldn't have been us because he'd been too good yeah yeah, yeah exactly and exactly. I think that I remember Lennon said I think it was when first got the job he said players are Samaras is the type of player who will get in the sack and I think <laughs> I, I think you say about one of your players. I know, that was really about his confidence. <laughs> and I think he meant by that that he could dig him out of a hole, but he could also miss Sells. chances that could do it. Should but have brought Sammy back in 2020 then. <laughs> 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 about October time. <laughs> that would be magic. Jesus. God. No, we said we weren't going to do that. No. 
So, um, so yep. So Celtic, as, as Gal mentioned there, Sam Raskin plays a a hopeful ball <laughs> through the middle, <laughs> and then it's a terrible ball. Actually, <laughs> straight at a Spartak defender who makes an ass of it. And what I liked about Hooper is he just hits it early, and I think That's... it catches the goalkeeper. I love it. Hard. Love it. I think does it go through his legs? Maybe. Aye. He does. It takes a slight touch off him. Aye. Yeah, and that's that can just kind of backs up what we were saying about Hooper earlier. Just that instinct. Um, he hits that ball, and it's not it's so far out the box. Just like, lashes it. The, the keeper has no idea what's happening. Hooper, as the ball comes to him, he like I love that split decision. Instantly, I'm going to fucking hit this because a lot of players would have taken a touch, uh, but he the technique and the power on it. It's one of my favourite Celtic goals. Like, I know I said about Hooper and, you know, where I would put them in tears and all that, but this goal always, every time I see it, it gives me this sort of sense of that, that that's a player who can just show that and say, I did that, look at that. And, oh. it's, like, it's like a big occasion goal, isn't it? It's just one of those ones that it falls to him, he lashes with it, but he has complete confidence. It's kind of not to... And it's unreasonable to do it, but it is like the complete antithesis of us this year in the Champions yeah. League, as in ball falls to him and he just Ooh. fucking lashes yeah. at it, and it's just a great Finish. everything goes in his favour. And it is just a it's magical. Uh, it's comp- when I say lashes at it, yeah, it, I think he kind of hits it just on like that. Is it maybe just like a kind of half bounce? Half forward, yeah. So it is the technique said, keeps it low, drives it, hits the target, gets a wee bit of luck. It's just a it's a it's a proper European night goal. One of those goals, and we'll talk about some of the other ones, it's one of those ones that I think matches the occasion, as in kind of inexplicable, and it comes from nothing, which then makes it all the better. You know, it's not a penalty that you think, right, it's going to go in, what a chance. This comes out of nothing, and suddenly the whole place is dreaming. You're thinking, when's the draw, all that kind of thing. Yeah, I just think, when you, when you listen to it back or watch it back, you hear... It's that noise the crowd that get up because like, oh, he's made a mistake here. The, the seat's hitting the back of the seat. Oh, and then because he hits it so early and it's like, as you say, the technique, it's like that thing you're always kind of taught when you're striking the ball, get your head, position your body, your head down over the ball and he just kind of kind of hits across it, doesn't it? Yeah. It goes straight, goes straight into the corner and just dreamland because it, it settles the nerves and as you say, Alan, it was a goal fitting of the occasion. Hooper's quite reserved with the celebration compared to how he normally was. Um but no, but a, a great player, and I think he had played a wee bit of criticism before this campaign. That could he do it on a big occasion? And the fact that he scored against Spartak away and here he, he kind of made the, the sort of statement that he could play at this level. I'm getting memories like I feel like I'm tuned into the spirit world of myself. Thank you, Valley's playing in the background yeah, again. Let's go. I'm really, that joke's going to land one day. Yeah, I mean, the it's Video pod, the colour would kind of go to stuff to make it know that it was back in the day. So the cutscene in The Sopranos when they go back to Johnny Senior. Yeah, um, it. it just, I'm just kind of remembering and, and the thing that I remember about this goal is that like it settled the nerves a little bit because we hadn't started badly, but we hadn't, I think there was a lot of expectation where I think a lot of us... I probably include myself. Well, not me because I was a shite, but I am a shite bag. But a lot of people just... I was and remain. Yes, 100%. <laughs> but a lot of people just expected, like, Celtic will turn up, uh, Spartak Moscow, we beat them away from home, we'll beat them here. But they didn't start... We wanted we wanted a, like, kind of whitewash straight off the bat. We wanted to be in control, but it didn't work out like that. It was quite um, uh, quite even at the yeah. start. And the the name that absolutely terrifies me is Emaniki. 
I was just thinking that. Uh, because he picked up the ball a couple of times, um, really fast, really powerful, and he drove at us, and I think it put a little bit of the Frighteners in our back line, but also put a little bit of Frighteners in the crowd as well. Definitely, and I remember, as I sort of mentioned earlier, this was just around the time when playing one up front was sort of coming into fashion, and I remember thinking, he is the sort of identical version of a one-man striker, because... As you say, up until before we scored and even after we scored, he was running the channels, he was taking the ball and bringing players into play. And I he was committing players and that hadn't been happening a lot. I was thinking I would love for us to have, even now you'd probably love to have a player like him oh, because he was so strong, quick, powerful. Um, and I just remember thinking that is that is what a, a lone striker should should look like. You know, there's, there are times when a pl- you watch a team at Celtic Park and you think, this team are okay, but there's that one player and you think, oh... And maybe it's maybe it's even just Madrick. well, Madrick, perfect perfect example where it's like really the, the team are okay, they're thingy, but there's that one player, and you're like, oh, I really don't want him to get the ball because he's committing players, he's taking people on, he's doing stuff that maybe we we can't do at that level. And Emmanuel at that point in this game terrified me. Definitely, your thoughts on Emmanuel? Yeah, he's, the name right away just makes you think he's a player who's going to score against Celtic. Yeah, um, you could say that for a lot of strikers, but. I think, I don't know if you, you both do it, probably everybody does it. Before these big games, you look at the team you're playing against. You maybe you might not know a great deal about them. And Spartak, I think, I probably, I think they had enough international ago, players yeah, I, at that point that you did. Halstrom and stuff. But you, it doesn't matter who you draw. You have a wee look before, whether it's in the match programme, whether it's in BBC the day before, team lines, whatever. You always look and you kind of think, and I always pick one player and you say, I bet he's going to be a pure <laughs> dick. He's going to be, I bet he's going to be shite all season, but he's going to get that moment. He's going to be the player, if he used to play football manager at the Scottish Cup final, that it would flash up saying it's his first goal of the season. <laughs> That's the kind of, because that always I think is our luck. He's going to have that night, kind of like Samaras does for us. Teams always seem to have that player that does it against him. Like Mudrick's different because he's genuinely just really good. I think you always look and think, you identify one player so you can go to the end, I fucking knew he would do that. But if a and player, you get as much joy from that as you do from winning. <laughs> if a player is going through a bad, if a striker's going through a bad patch, play Celtic. If a, if a midfielder isn't playing particularly well, play Celtic. Uh, and you'll get a goal. You'll they, get a goal, no problem. They probably watched the Hearts game and thought, we don't need to create a thing here, lads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Keystone Cops defending. Definitely. Um, so then we're pegged back, aren't we, by, um, and I remember... I remember my cousin having a go at me because I thought it was hilarious because that guy was called Ari and I kept doing a Cockney impression. <coughs> go on, Ari. Go on, Ari. Oh, that would be at the game. I think at that game and leading up to it as well. Oh, so I, I, I thought his name I, was funny. I, I, I'd hate that, <laughs> I mean, Ari. Again, <laughs> just to take us behind the, behind the scenes a little bit. I 100% can imagine Barry ripping the ass right out of that joke. Well. We, we, we've had nights recently <laughs> where uh, Barry's cockney accent has it there. Aye, but then the next day, Teddy's going, my throat's fucked. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I remember when Harry scored and I was like, oh, fucking hell, Harry. <laughs> um, but uh, he, took, he took it really well, in fairness. Is uh, is, is, I mean, it's, it is a nice finish. The, the ending's kind of sloppy. It's a very Celtic conceding in Europe goal, but it is, there is a bit of quality to the finish. I mean, yeah. see, um, Kelvin, well, MNEK kind of drives, as we said, and it's a ball in, and um, Ari, um, not Amin <laughs> Ari, um, lobs uh, Foster. But you know the thing that I find a bit... Mm, see, even that whole thing where the ball's about to bounce in and you're trying to do an overhead kick to kick it out. See, even if it's in, you still need to complete the overhead kick. 
but um, Kelvin Wilson absolutely fucks it. <laughs> just I, the, falls the, in his ass. Yeah, you know, just he kind of heads it. one of those. He's not really. He's not favoured for it. Oh yes, a header. Sorry, yeah. I, I, it's almost like you would have more dignity if you didn't try. I, Granted, exactly. you would be slaughtered, but you don't look as bad as Fawn. I mean, we've talked about this oh, a lot back in the day. It's like, I, I prefer him when his Rangers players collapsing into the net as opposed to our centre half in a key game to get yeah, to the last sixteen. But it is kind of messy. But I think it is a. He does the Spartak striker does what he needs to do in that scenario <laughs> I, I know I can't say it now because he'll not be able to help himself um. <laughs> see when I, when, I, when I was watching this back Kelly and I was thinking oh fuck there's that fucking Harry <laughs> <laughs> um, he said like, fucking damn me right up Harry <laughs> damn me up a keeper <laughs> but yeah just to kind of echo what you guys are saying like from the view that I had in the North Stand that night like when Wilson jumps you think oh fuck he's going to get this here and like, oh no he's not and as then you see, I think the one thing I always remember from these kind of European nights when you get a goal like that, you know, some people put their heads in a hand, some people put seats, whatever you do, everybody always see, even it feels like before the ball goes in, you see the opposition, and oh. I would use the expression, wheeling away. There is nothing worse than a European night than just the big sit, and then you know it's going in, and then seeing the tiny wee bit of noise for the corner, and oh, it feels like it takes teams like, five minutes to celebrate whereas we are kicking off within settings I know it's not accurate but, no, but that's, that's no, what it no, feels no. like it feels like time's slow and you just have that moment where you kind of just oh, kind of rub your face and you're just like don't Celtic fucking don't don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't start me <laughs> it's funny you say that because it's almost as if like we always seem to know the balls in before oh, the rest of them the absolutely. worst is always Hamden I think when particularly against them when they score oh, right. it's like a swarm of bees that noise because there's a brief minute of silence when you're thinking oh no oh no, oh, no, and then, oh, no. It, it, it's like cows in a field if they're all lying in one spot it's going to rain and it's like Celtic Park the stadium knows something happens and it's just like the whole state ah fuck we know they're going to score we should highlight as well that um, before this match Spartak had sacked their manager and MNEK had come out and basically said nobody likes me and there's all this disharmony so that was something else we kind of thought uh, they'll be a bit disjointed and you know how they're going to play and and when they equalised, I think everyone probably took a kind of collective breath where they thought, okay, they've pegged us back. At this time, I think it was just nerves came back. When we score the goal, I think we're okay. And we've got we've got the ball, got possession, doing all right. But there, it's almost like they've scored that goal. They could maybe do it again, if yeah. you know what I mean. On the Amanike things, I'm assuming, was his... Was it a black player playing in Moscow? Or th- was, or was it just team disharmony? Because I know there's a long litany of players who have talked about their experience playing in, in Moscow yeah, in I Moscow think. and Russia. Uh, particularly, yeah, it's, so I, I don't know. I don't remember his comments, to be honest. I, ju- I, just re- I just remember there was a certain level of disharmony, but, and it gives you that wee extra hope of maybe they're, you know, they're not, the new manager in, you know, maybe they're not going to be following his instructions, but, um, yeah, there was there was disharmony, as you say. I think a lot of stuff around that time was being highlighted with black players in Russia, and oh, it's uh, a fairly safe bet. Like I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think I'm sticking my neck out there. Nah, there was a lot controversy with him as well. I think there was a court case for something to do with him. I don't know if it was about a transfer, and yeah. he ended up going to Turkey. Um, oh, when players sign in Turkey, there is almost always a contract dispute. Oh, they, they love a Turk. Oh. They love a contract dispute. Yeah, but I just my one sort of memory of him, obviously. Um, he was more sort of effective in the, the the previous game in Moscow against us, but I just remember thinking I would love love to have had him at us. Um, and as you say, Gail, I don't think 
we were, I don't think we'd played particularly well until we got the goal, but that settled us. And then when the equalised, we're thinking, oh God, because it started particularly well here. It was one of those where I just, uh, they were countering pretty well, but not necessarily as effective. They were countering well, but not necessarily getting shots on target or getting into the final third. They were really dirty as well. Um, yeah. Kim Carlson gets sent off um, and he, Probably should have been sent off before he gets Aye, sent off. He's a number of fouls. Yeah. Um, so they go down to 10 men, which obviously sometimes my dad always says, oh, I hate playing against 10 men. And I was like, why? There's an extra player. It's good. I was <laughs> like, I fucking love it. Yeah. I was like, yeah. He's like, I oh, know, there's something about playing, about playing against 10 men. And sometimes there is. Aye, they work harder, kind of. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sort of alluded to it earlier. Um, just wanted to see how you guys, what you felt about it. The fact that we were playing against McGeady. Now, I know Gal, and you're the same as I, am, a massive fan of McGeady, what, what was your kind of thoughts about coming up against them? Were you worried that it was going to be the classic Excel against us in Europe kind of performance? Yeah, I, I think McGeady is, is entirely different from any other player, I think, going away and coming back. Um, I think he went and everyone, I think everyone really wanted McGeady to do well. Yeah. It, yeah. Was a, it was a bold move, um, obviously a big fee, so it was a kind of everybody wins scenario. Um I think the only thing that maybe sticks in my crawl up, but I don't don't mean specifically the game. Obviously, I didn't want him to do well that night. I'm glad he was on the bench because I remember very, very vividly seeing McGeady busting onto the scene in Europe and you seen how he could handle the big nights. You know, AC Milan at home, he was just absolutely spectacular. Villarreal, Benfica. And, and you, know, you knew then that he had that in his locker, plus a bit of experience. And look, Celtic fan through the academy you want to come back and make an impact in the game right. because you just want everybody to know you're really good. But I always felt like, and just very, very it, it did feel like a lot of people thought I went there. I don't see him on the news every night, so he must not be doing that. But actually, he did a really good, you know, he did really well over Brilliant. there. Um, you know, really, really well. And then, I know he played at a lot of different clubs, but he's had a great career. See the idea that because if you don't go and win the Champions League with an English side or, you know, you don't go and play for Barcelona or Real Madrid, he's had a great career. And it's one of those ones that's kind of, I think because he didn't stay here and because he went to a league that people don't watch here, right. it just kind of felt like, and then it was like, oh, he's at Everton now and he's not playing all the time. It's like, he's playing such a high level, had a great career. We made money, he made money. I don't see what's not to like in this scenario. I, 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 I'm much the same. I hate when people say underachieved. Like, what? Like, yeah. fair enough, I think, because he's maybe a victim of their own success because everyone knew about him before he even played for Celtic. Mm-hmm. Like, he was just, there was hype around him. Like the but he, f- he fulfilled the hype. There's always uh, hype around so players. Got, played at World Cups, Euros, 80 odd caps for Ireland, played in the Premier League, successful in Played Russia. the Champions League consistently. Won everything he could for us. Gave um, back check to Gordon Stratton. Lovely. What's not he like? <laughs> See, just on that Love as well, because like, I, I remember um, he learnt the language and all that over in Russia, which is apparently a very difficult language to learn. And I remember. Gary Connor learnt another language. <laughs> <laughs> but it was his first manager was Carpin, wasn't it? Valerie Carpin. Valerie Carpin, yeah. And I remember McGeady was sitting at a press conference, I think it was round about this time, and he had sort of picked up some of the phrases, so but the translator was sitting next to him. And I think Carpin had maybe said something about McGeady was maybe lazy or something like that. And there's a microphone on McGeady and he's like he says to the translator, did he just say I was lazy? And the translator's like, Yeah, and he's like, Fucking cheeky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I like that but no, it was just another sort of layer to this game. Um, and he would come on and it was, he could just sort of, the kind of joke that it was time-wasting, wasn't it? Because the clock was running down. But um, into the second half, and I think Celtic sort of came alive, came alive yeah. then. Um, 
there's a Samaras chance on the sort of the volley, isn't it? The keeper makes a great save. Yeah, it's a really good save actually because it's a really low down to his left hand side, so yep. or his right hand side. Sorry. I don't like the post. Oh yeah, it does. It has the post. Yeah, Aye. does it? Right. Keeper saved it. No, I think it, does, it has the post. Yeah, it looks like. It, I mean, I think he tips it onto the post. Let's agree. Yeah, agree. Everybody wins. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> watches this, but they don't have a clue. Yeah. Um, but the other save that is definitely a save is the header from Mongru, and it's yeah. an incredible save. Um, that, I, that full back tip over the bar. Curly headed goalie, wasn't he? Like, yeah. uh, he must have been a wee bit older. But I think, as you said, Alan, there's always, or Gal, you said that a striker who's not in form or a midfielder, they'll have the game of their life against Celtic. And how often do goalkeepers yeah. have the game of their life? Like, keepers who are. 37-year-old loanies coming for one game and they have the game in the, the goal, life. The goalkeeping coach getting registered just before We're the game starts. getting grey on. Uh, I think he is wearing all grey in this game. I think he has shorts right enough. But. Uh, yeah. Um, and it just felt like, oh God, we need to get the goal. And then Samaras is oh, that sort of one, language style. One terrific I was about to say, that's, he's nowhere near the goal. He's got way out on the sort of left-hand side, kind of coming back from the byline um, towards the play. And as you say, he sells. He sells a guy. It is everything about this goal. Spoiler, sorry. Um, everything about it is like in reverse. This is the penalty we would give away. Yep. And even the way it scored is how a team would score Pretty against intense. us. Like yep. everything about it is like the wrong way around. A penalty from absolutely nothing that you just get. Because the, 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 the player makes being, a mistake. The player being cute as well. Like, you know, we always talk about how our players don't go down enough and all that. You, you could almost put this goal into, like, any of our European away games from pretty much 2000 to 2016. And you could slip that goal in, and, you know, and just go, oh, I don't really remember that one. But it looks about ah, right. Yeah, that's, like, it. Aye, that's it's, it's very much a goal we would lose, so I won't question it. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I, I think um, just Sammy just... Uh, he anticipates the the player coming in. I mean, there's very little contact, but he anticipates the player coming in. I think it's a penalty. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a penalty. You don't think so? Yeah, I think it's soft, but I think yeah, okay. But I mean, what, when I see he anticipates the player coming in, he, I, I mean, mean halfway again. I like it. Very he, agreeable. He kind of yeah, it's a penalty, hundred percent. But see, just the build up to him, so he brings the ball down in the chest, and that's when you were describing yeah. Sam and Lassie's strengths. Like I remember, you've always got a, a phrase you would shout. Apart from go on Harry, but every single game I would always say like when the ball was because we were still before we were passed out and it was always long to Sammy and I'd be like on the chest on the chest because he would always bring it down and then he would use his frame to turn. And that's yeah. exactly what he does here because when he receives the ball he's facing away from goal and then he brings it as if he's coming back into play and there is enough contact there for the penalty and you're just hoping. That because Commons had missed a couple of that season as well the St Johnson game at home I seem to remember that's not right. not a litany. Uh... Consistent penalty takers in this team when you look at it. Sammy wins it. He misses probably. Uh, you're looking at this team, you think <laughs> penalty takers. There's a lot of guys in there that you're thinking. And 50, so 50. our relationship with penalties are still not yeah. great, is it? Um, it never seems to stay up to it, It'd be nice if I can get one. That's, uh, that's I, I might take getting one and missing it. <laughs> exactly. Start. And Chris Commons steps up and he decides to go for power and they blasts it off the bar. And I always remember Commons saying that he wasn't aware that he had to score that. Yeah. I thought, well. He later admitted at the time he didn't realise the importance of the goal uh, because he thought Barcelona were winning. <laughs> it could have been different. Um, I mean, that's that's that's, a, a, that's an incredible insight, by the way. What? As in, he assumed Barcelona were winning. I mean, 
Who does that? How, how many penalties are you taking in Champions League that you think, ah, this one's fine? <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I'm going to go Forrest and one. Derby before here and now he's turning his nose up at penalties in the fucking group stages of Champions League. See, one thing I didn't like, um, and obviously I didn't see this at the game, but when you go back and watch it, is, is it Lennon and Parker? Or? I've turned in the back. I didn't uh, watch it. I I that's very... 1996 Premiership Newcastle fan that does that kind of thing you know what I mean I, 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 I'll be honest I, I saw that and I was like you're the manager you should you should be watching that you should penalty. have confidence in your team yeah. not like oh this is all down to chance it, I, don't like that. I think it's bad not one but they both can't watch it I think that's maybe what's worse. Like, see if you just turn around. Also, the way they do it, it's like, it's, like, it's almost like, it's like, I head down, the, thumbs up. It's the thing, it's the two managers for chewing the fat, <laughs> just copies each other. Like, what the fuck, you don't know, that looks good. Um, I, it, 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 it looks unseemly. I mean, like, it, it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't like matter, the, but like, it, it doesn't look like the Champions League group stages. It yeah, looks you know, like, I don't know, Auckland Lake Talbot or something, and, you know, it's the winning. Because if he misses it, and, you know, you don't know what will happen. It. It, it just uh, yes. I'm a bit of a hypocrite, though, because I've done that once, and it was the... Do you're not the manager of Glasgow <laughs> Celtic on the <laughs> sideline, pal. Fucking <laughs> okay, hell. But I remember see O'Neill's first season when we beat Rangers in the CIS Cup semi-final, mm-hmm. where the one with Larson lobbed so the close, but we got a penalty in the second half, and I remember I couldn't watch because I was too nervous. So. <sighs> but as you say, I'm not... Trying to qualify for the last sixteen as I said. Yeah, it just it just looks a bit. Come on, Aye. it's fine because it goes in. Aye. Aye, I mean I don't know how you'd blame Lennon if it didn't go in, but fucking. Can you imagine? Find a way. Imagine how you know, people talk about that thing—the ick when it puts you <laughs> off people. Can you imagine Lennon turning around and messing for because I can now. Um, but no, it goes in and dreamland, and it seems like an age before the final mm-hmm. whistle. And as I mentioned, McGeady comes on, and it was. I like to think of it. I know it's probably there was eight not. minutes left as well. Yeah, I, I like to think that there was that whole sporting content. Uh, what do you call it? The sporting integrity thing. But McGeady did seem to be just trying to hold on to the ball without doing very much with it. And I'm like, on you go, son. I love that. Love yeah. That. Um, and the final whistle goes, and it's Dreamland. Um, just incredible scenes. What's your kind of memory of that, Alan? The feeling? It is just a. Obviously, it's not a unique feeling because we've, I think we've been third in that time. scenario three time. times and never since. Um, but it it does feel like everything's just right at that time because there is nothing, and to a lesser extent, the same when we had the the draw for the Champions League this year. You just think about what could lie ahead, and you know, let's try and put yourself back into that scenario. You've shown that you are capable of getting really big results against, against big teams big, uh, you know against Barcelona granted it's very different and it's it's a it's a more modest and accepting approach but you're thinking well two-legged tie see what happens get a win and then pre- all the options are on the table qualifying for the last 16 of Champions League when the odds really are stacked against you um it is a really, really special feeling. Doing it with 10 points as well, which we did this year is... That was a record, wasn't it? A record point yeah, total. I mean, it, that is just... It, it's a great feeling and I don't think you... You feel great in that moment. You feel great in the stadium. You're celebrating. You're gliding though for like pretty much through until the draw because it's all to come. That's a great thing about it. You have that... You qualify and then you've got, what, three two and a half months where you mm-hmm. don't have the game. You have a great but, Christmas that year. <laughs> you know, it's just, you've got all to look forward to. And uh, it's, I mean, it is, as I say, not a unique feeling, but three times in my, you know, my lifetime, it's pretty, uh, it is pretty special. So 
Hopefully we'll get there again, but it's it's incredible and it's just it is great looking back and thinking. It's not one of those ones that you watch back. I mean, that's the highlights for this. It's the first time I've watched it in since the time years. Years, you know. Right. It's because it, oddly it isn't one of those games that's that you look back at and say it's up there with those incredible nights. But that's when you look at it, it's just nice, yeah. you know we've only did it what well as I say three times. You know, but this isn't one that you. If you say to someone what's your favourite Champions League night, very, very few people, if any, will say this game. Actually, when you look at it and you think, as a special occasion, last game at home to win in those circumstances, I mean, you'd kill for that again, wouldn't you? A bit of trivia. Can you remember watching was ringing out around the stadium at the final whistle? At that time? Fratelli's? Where was the final going to be? 2012. Oh, London's calling. London calling. Oh, I remember that just added to it. Like, come fuck. on. How many is Harry Potter as well? It was, it was all coming <laughs> You're together. You're not going to fucking land in there, are you, Harry? <laughs> uh, I apologise, listener. That was my fault. I queued him up there. Um, also, That's like, what I was hoping for. <laughs> just the, um, you know, you mentioned 10 points and we did it on our on our own, whereas, and again, I'm not taking away from the other two times we did it, but the other two times we did it, like, we didn't even realise by the time the final whistle had went. Like, um, Strachan didn't even know. Strachan didn't even know. Uh, whereas this, it was like in our own hands and we took it. And I think that was really important for this team and for, for the support to actually be the ones to take it into our own hands and do it ourselves. And I think the fact that it was the final game as well, because as you say, Gal, the Man United game, obviously, they, that on itself being Man United was a massive occasion. But as we didn't know, a lot of people didn't know we're coming out of the stadium. But the fact that we knew... It was in our hands. We had our, our stadium because was it Milan we qualified in the second time we were away for away in Milan and I think the results went our way and it meant we went through. Yeah. So this was the first time we had the chance to celebrate it as a whole. Yeah. Together because the group was finished, it was confirmed, and it was like there we've done it as the whistle goes, we've qualified. Brilliant. Definitely, and every point was hard fought, but it was it felt more like I think this time the gap was getting bigger and it's got even bigger since. But I think maybe the previous groups, at that point, the gap didn't seem as big. And I know that was sort of five five or six years before, wasn't it, since we'd been there? Um, but it was just a great achievement. And as you say, Alan, the, the feel-good feeling, um, feel-good factor around the club was just brilliant. I remember the sky cameras were up um, at Lennox Town quite a lot around that point. Um, and they were there for the draw as well. So it was just... The profile of the club was sky high um, and I think, as I mentioned, coming into this game, because we'd had the massive result against Barcelona, it was all we getting over the line and that's what we mm-hmm. did and it was just a brilliant night and it is interesting, it's funny you say, it isn't one that we talk about enough and I think it's probably because of the Barcelona result yeah. this season. And uh, I think just as well, the, it's probably after waxing lyrical about it and how good it makes you feel, it's probably quite easy just from this wee snapshot of four or five minutes why... A broth, one each, you just think, so fuck. Like, right. if that's the lows, then I'll take the highs. And that is just, that's exactly it. Because, I mean, you get the last 16 Champions League, you immediately, you are inclined to go, ah, well, you can't play well every week. But th- this is your classic um, get as many technicians on the park as possible. This isn't really a team in a way. And, and weirdly, it is a team. It's it's just a lot of big personalities. As we mentioned, you know, Brown, Commons, Kyle, Samaras, Hooper. Lustig, Mulgrew, these are really big personality players and it just it just worked really, really well. If you would have told me that at the time though, and I'm being, I, I genuinely would have thought, no, that's a really good team, as in, that's a good, if you would have told me at this time that we did 
next to no opposition scouting and we didn't really work on shape and it was just a case of make sure the boys are fit, ready and up for it, I would have probably thought, no, no, it can't be, mate. It can't be. Like, there, there's there's a secret sauce here. They're working hard behind the behind the scenes and it's like... They're drinking hard behind <laughs> the scenes. No, genuinely, I mean, obviously there's a lot of players that have um, you know, said over the years in different pods and stuff and I, I remember speaking to Joel Edler about it and he's like, you know, it's not... It, it, they just they they went they worked hard and then hope for the best. There wasn't you didn't go into big games and say any like pre Barcelona. It wasn't he, right. Here's what Messi does and here's what it was like. We, you'd watch them in Sky on Sunday night and then the players would come in and talk about it. But they would talk about it before the manager came in and you know how good is he? It's not a case of show him down the right, show him down the left, or or any other players. It was just a case of go out there, be better than the man against you, and hope for the best and. Magic in a bottle See just on that And I remember I don't like giving Lennon credit But I remember he said Around Particularly for the Barcelona result He had a conversation With Sir Alex Ferguson And he said Oh Sir Alex Ferguson Oh hello Barry Jesus (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell What's going on (laughs) Um, (laughs) But he told him about um, Forcing Barcelona to cross And that was one of the reasons Why Matthews Played left back that night Mm -hmm. Because he knew that Messi would obviously cut inside and Matthews would be more comfortable on his right foot. Um, so there was sort of wee tweaks, but I, I totally agree with you. There wasn't major tactical advances at that point as well. Samaras. Oh, and a mistake has given Hooper the chance! Well, that's a relief! That should settle Celtic down! It's so lively, he, he reacts so quickly here. It's not the best pass from Samaras. Inside of the under his feet, one touch enough. We well, could put Ari in here, he has. It's Ari! And Kelvin Wilson can't prevent a goal. There are going to be some twists and turns tonight, and this is one of them, Spartak a level. Lustig. Samaras! Terrific save from Peshikov. No, oh, absolutely. Samaras can't do much better than that. The Celtic fans urging on the men in hoops. Commons delivers. And what an amazing save from Peshikov to deny Mulgrew. Commons. Will Samaras fancy a bit of this? He might just... Samaras bundled over. It's given. It's a penalty. Well, I think he's looking for that, and he, the referee's bought it. A defining moment. Chris Commons seizes the moment. It's back on. It's back on for Celtic. And Celtic Park is jumping, rocking. Chris Commons will never have taken a more important set piece in his life. So, yep, a monumental evening at Celtic Park, and uh, the currently the last time that we got to that sort of level in European football. How long are you going to come on? Just um, obviously hearing the audio there, I genuinely can never ever listen to Ian Crocker and David Proven. Without thinking of the commentary of the 6-2 game <laughs> I was at the 6-2 game yeah, But too. I've watched it that many times That 
I think it's up there with like when I was a student with Alan Partridge and Phoenix Knights and all that kind of thing where yeah. I genuinely think I could probably just, it just it I just, could commentate in the 90 odd minutes yeah. from memory it's just so iconic it, it just kind of triggers something in your head where you're just like you start even just playing along with it or I even bits before the game starts and it's like the what's it the best Glasgow dart or the best is the next right, yeah. the next one um, and then the, I mean let's just let's just do it <laughs> He rather likes make, making up for lost time. World class. World class. They're queuing up here. <laughs> They're queuing up here. And then here. his voice goes completely high for, uh, uh, is it what, Barry Ferguson and David Proven tries to say he's three yards off him, but he absolutely screams it and it's like, ah, oh, your voice isn't broke yet. <laughs> this is the stuff that Celtic dreams on either. Um, Brilliant. So, Superb. on the high from that, it sort of continues into the next fixture and we travel away to Rugby Park to play Kilmarnock. Um, and we're top of the league at this point by three points with a game on hand, and um, we're wearing that beautiful black strip. Oh, black! Yeah, oh, gorgeous, gorgeous. Oh, um, oh, are you delighted with it? Um, and we'll just get straight into the team then. So, Foster starts. Matthews as Aguirre, Ambrose and Wilson, McGrew, Brown, Ledley, Wanyama, Lasad comes back in, and Hooper. Um, and just on this game, some of the football Celtic plays exceptional. Um, what's your sort of memories of this, Gal? Uh, I remember watching this, uh, I think, again in the Queen's Park Cafe. I think I watched all the games in the cafe at that point. And it, everyone, you know, you turn up and everyone's talking about the, the Champions League game. Everyone's buoyed. Everyone's really having a just a, a fantastic time. It was almost like this game will take care of it. This is Kelly away. Which is a tough fixture. Um, it haunts my my uh, 13, 14 year old uh, dreams of you know as Tommy Burns. That's but, funny that. I, I don't think of it like that at all. You're what? younger than us. Ah, uh, you know, just but uh, just um, it's we could have stopped eight and nine in a row if we'd beaten Kelly once, kind of over the two seasons. Yeah, exactly. Um, and obviously the the season before this is when the three each game as well. And obviously. Was in the league 2003, so there's a lot of bad. Start the jog the But but it was one of those where it was like um, everyone in the pub was um, really excited for it, and it was one of those where uh, again it was just like it didn't really almost didn't matter who played because we were going to win because we just I, I remember just feeling kind of in, invincible at that point and just thinking I'm going to go and have a nice day and you know I was in the pub with my dad and, and Bowd and, and all a few other people and it was just one of those where yeah I just it just it was a real kind of this is going to sound ridiculous like a festival of football it was just a, a real four or five days where you were just delighted with everything everything was right in the world I always think as well see after you've had a really positive result of that in Europe and recently I think I like the say the Lazio game in Rome and all that you can't wait for the next yeah. domestic game because Absolutely. you want the players to bask in that glory it's almost a continuation of the celebration um, and sometimes it, the performance maybe doesn't match it, but I think the performance in this game really the players rose to the occasion. The changes probably freshened it up a wee bit. Um, Adam, Adam Matthews was incredible in this game. Aye. I, I think it was, and from memory, which granted does fail me quite a lot of the time, Scott Brown I, I thought was really, really good. And I probably was, I mean, this is this is Scott Brown plugging into the area where he's started to think maybe his best days have, have been. Um, before he then kicks on, obviously, yeah. many years later, a couple of tough years before that. But I thought he was great in this game. Oh, brilliant. Um, and this is, he, he goes in for surgery, doesn't he, on his hip? Aye. I think he kind of delayed it, hadn't he? he delayed it, yeah, because he wanted to do the Champions League thing. But um, yeah, Brown was kind of, wasn't always, 
he wasn't the Brown that he would become under no, under Rogers. No. Entirely different type of player as well. Exactly. Like yeah. I think as well. So this particular season, he was more the sort of box to box, wasn't mm-hmm. he? And it wasn't until Wanyama left that he started to drop back, drop back a little into bit. that defensive. And as you say, he opens the scoring. He starts to move, finds himself in the box, and it's another one of those ones the keeper gets a, a hand to it, but the power's too much, and just delighted. And it's worth knowing at this point, this was before Kelly had that fucking god awful pitch. Yeah. And you can see the difference to the football that we played. It's grass, aye. aye. Um, I always thought it was a particularly good pitch down there as well. He could always play good football. Yeah. Okay. Um, but aye, so off to a flyer. Um, this is it, Neil Lennon's 100th SPL game as a manager. Ooh. So there we go. There we go. Um, but similar to, although we're just kind of wax lyrical about how Celtic played this game, but Kilmarnock did have their chances and Foster again showed his quality. Um, I remember Heffernan. I remember he came in that beginning of that season and he scored a lot. Who's Irish, of goals. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He scored a lot of goals, and um, it was that classic. You know, sh- should we be looking at him? And it's like absolutely not. He's he's he's, he's, he's good for him. He's doing well, but like he's, he's just not good enough. Is it in the Chris Callan, Scott McDonald. Oh, I don't even Derek think. Reardon, no, like, I, I don't even. Hit. No, I just mean in terms that that was the go to. That was the ambition. If a player's good in Scotland. Sign him up. You'll have him it's, and that'll do you nicely. Yeah. Me and my pals have always got this kind of joke. So my pal Jimmy, his dad is very much like that. So see when London Dykes was terrorising Julian, like Jimmy I, would always do this impression. His dad like, go and get that big boy. <laughs> <laughs> so see as soon as someone scores against Celtic, like, go and get that big boy. <laughs> um, pull out all the stops. But I think our quality just shines through. Um, and then we go up the park and score again. Yeah. Don't we? Um, Brown, I think. Um Round the, assists, with yeah. the assist and just that lovely uh, again to use another cliche get the bingo card out the slide rule pass Oof, love it you and do you know who was in goals for Kelly that day? Uh, no Cammy Bell oh. Cammy Bell helicopter Sunday I think he's on he's sometimes on Clyde now Aye. I believe yeah um, the thing about the the Ledley goal is um it's that interplay between the two of them. Um, and, and I think this, again, what I think that qualifying for the Champions League did for some of these players is it made them feel legit. Alan always makes that point about, assuming mean, you've got to that level in Europe and then you come back, even if it's not been a positive result, I think because you've had to be at your best, you still have that sort of, not it's a like, hangover, but you still have that extra power. It's like baseball players when they're warming up, when they've got the weight on the bat, and then you take the weight off, and you can hit. And that's kind of like you've got the weight of the Champions League on you, but you know if you do well, you come back and the weight's off, and you've still got that power. Yeah, uh, right, this is a piece of piss because I've been playing. Yeah, right. exactly. I was doing just doing a bit of research the other day, just of results off the back of Champions League games, going back to Rogers. First uh, European game, sorry, going back to Rogers' first game. Obviously, Europa League games, different, different level, but you know, still played a lot of good sides. And I think there's 47 games. Um, and I think off the top of my head, I think it was we'd only lost four, maybe five after European games. So, and percentage wise, the percentage of wins and draws and losses after European games is almost exactly identical to the way it is. Um, uh, sorry, more wins, less draws, and I think one more loss. And it, it just kind of highlights that 
despite having a huge game midweek, you're probably playing against a team that haven't had the midweek game, they've had all week to prepare, we don't have that scope, and you go and you can just still do it. Yeah. So I always think there's two elements of people sometimes think, yeah, that's standard. Now, I believe in that a lot. You play against a good team, you'll be better next time because you've learned a lot. I think other people then think, how must it feel going to play Barcelona at home and then you've got to go and play at St. Mirren. St. Mirren or something. You know, it's a complete... It's People think it'd be quite easy to say, but actually, you know, the record's slightly better. You don't drop off. You don't... That fitness, it's... It is quite... It is something. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I just... I mentioned earlier about how Wanyama was often sort of overlooked for his passing ability, and he plays a lovely ball through to Brown for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, kind of a similar pass to how Brown was at cross and Dreamland, but the real sort of highlight of this match is the, the third goal and just some of the passing from Celtic yeah. is incredible and it's it's funny because obviously it's the third goal when you're cruising before this but there's still sometimes goals that Celtic can score that takes the crowd's breath away and you can tell the way they celebrate that it's a really good goal and I think this one Hibs uh, away with the three amigos Yeah, aye, so it's just sort of it's really worked well and it gets to Matthews, as you, as you say, Gal was flying at this point and he just stands the ball up perfectly oh, for Samaras. That's who, exactly it. Aye. Who arrives into the box and the fact that it's off the bar and in, which is always adds to any goal. And you can see the crowd are absolutely buzzing with it because it's such a well-worked goal. And it just sort of taps into that feel-good factor again. Like, well, I've, we've qualified for the last six in the Champions League. It's given us credibility as a team and now we're playing this style of football and it's just... Perfect. It's been Celtic when it aligns like that. It's just sort of fewer better things in, in life. We get Matthews on a free, don't we? As well. Yep. Matthews is someone at this stage who you started to look at and you think, oh, mm-hmm. oh, this is we've we've really picked someone up here, and he never quite got to the heights that you'd want him to. But in this period, he was excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. and he was really, he was just really dynamic and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, all the kind of natural fitness and yeah. speed and acceleration that you thought, yeah, he's, he looks good and he could compete at that level or the European level, certainly. Maybe not over the full season, but over he could give you big, big minutes in those games. I think the fact as well that it was both both sides of the ball, as you would say, Alan, mm-hmm. because he put in the defensive shift against Barcelona where he was excellent that night, but you were starting to see that real sort of quick quickness over the ground as well. And he had an end product, as you can see from this goal. So I remember when we first signed, I think maybe a year or two before we signed him, he was really highly rated. He was coming through at the same time as Ramsey, remember him? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were both really tipped for the top. And I think he maybe had an injury and fell away. But I remember when we got him in a free, thinking this is a real coup. A real coup. Um, he, he never kicked on. I think that the hard thing as well, just in, in, on this goal particularly, see when you're at that, especially as a fullback and you've done all the hard yards, you get yourself into position, you've ran that distance, you've had the quality, the strength to hold the player off to then, sometimes the hardest part is having the quality of delivery because even for the professionals, it's really, really difficult when you get to that stage. You're not naturally a, you're not a winger, you're not quite as used to being in those areas, you might be an attacking fullback, but you've had to get, you've had to do a lot more to get into that area to then have the composure to as you say stand the ball up it's not it's not world class technique it's the fact that you don't have the rush of blood to the head and think I'll fire it across you just think I know if I, because when you stand up you take 
you give your attacker a, maybe an extra half second. Yeah. If you fire it across, he needs to be ahead of the ball almost. You stand up, you're saying you're giving them a chance, you're giving them that wee opportunity. And yeah, it's, it's a really nice goal. And despite that, it's still not even Sammy's best goal at, um, at Kelly, which just highlights the kind of quality of his player. I, I'm enjoying giving Sammy a lot of praise here. This was only his second goal in domestic matches that season. Um, but he was unplayable in Europe. He was just he was he gave us a, a cutting edge in Europe. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. <laughs> it's basically we just kept him in a freezer and then brought him out for the yeah. games. I remember see how it's embarrassing looking now back, but see how when in Facebook you can look at your memories and it's like things you'd said. And I, I think it'd been a game. It's probably a game that he done well. Oh, right. No, 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 don't worry. I deleted a lot of my content. But I remember, I remember I tweeted saying, how, how can we not trust Sammy to play at home in Inverness? But he plays every game against them and he probably scored because that's what he did. But no, just this goal was perfect. And as you say, Alan, how often have we seen fullbacks do the hard work and then they hit the first man or they cross it out of the park? But just a great goal. And it's a goal you could watch back again and again because. Mm-hmm. The pay, he's running on. He's running onto the ball quite quickly. So again, it's an even harder technique to stand it up. And Sammy just arriving, boom, off the bar and in, and just dream the land. Absolutely. I was saying it must be a great feeling as well, scoring a goal like that, where you run onto the ball and you don't even need to kind of break stride to celebrate. Like in terms of just keep running on the the kind of zero to ten, looking cool. Oh. Running on, finishing, and then just not breaking stride and serving at the end where the Celtic fans are. That's like, that's like an eight point five, I would say. You know, it's not quite Henrik Larson levels of wheeling away with a tongue out, but it's pretty good. What I loved about this as well is like, um, you know, we can see the goal late on, but you know, it's, it doesn't really matter ultimately. But the feel good factor then just went on for for me anyway like that afternoon still stayed it's one of those where it's like you know if could, if it'd been an okay result or whatever or you know a normal week you, you finish it you have a couple of pints afterwards and then you go i think i stayed in the pub all night it's one of those where i'm like just the feel good factor continued for so long after this i think up until that up until the kick off the event i think um i think just well, my last kind of thoughts on it as well i think what it this game particularly then you felt as if what had been a slow start to the season a lot of draws as we said dropping points kind of not not really doing a great job of saying this league is absolutely going nowhere else but to Celtic Park I think this period really then takes you right over the line and it's like aye without being flippant it's just like no one else will win the league it's just not going to happen whereas at the start it was kind of like well your form's really dropped you're really inconsistent now you've got in the last 16, you've got a lot to look forward to. Players are going to be working hard so that they make sure they're in that 11. And then you go and put a performance like that at Tynecastle, then that at Kelly. And it's like, aye, it was just three struggles at the start of the season. I think Lennon comes out and he basically says after the we've kind of qualified for the last 16, he's like, right now we focus on the league. Now we focus on the league. And it kind of makes that clear that they're literally, until we play the next round of 16 tie, we're just going to batter ourselves ahead so we can prepare for that. And because there's no uh, Rangers, he's got that opportunity. Celtic did themselves and Scottish football proud this week by qualifying for the knockout stages of the Champions League. But it's been their league form which has been patchy to say the least. Here's Hooper. Kamarnik already taken advantage of that patchy league form, but Matthews pulls it back for Scott Brown and Celtic lead and it's the captain 
Scott Brown who scores it. It's his first goal of the season and he's delayed surgery on that hip injury that he's got. And that is to Celtic's benefit. Here's Matthews. He's past Nelson. Back it comes to Gary Hooper. And he perhaps just took an extra touch. And that just narrowed the angle for Gary Hooper. Bell with the save. It's well done by Lassad. Half clear. Only as far as Wanyama. Trying to get the ball onto that dangerous right foot of his. Now Scott Brown across for Ledley. And that's two. After 65 minutes, Joe Ledley makes it 2-0 to Celtic. The ball across from Scott Brown was absolutely perfect. A goal and an assist from Celtic's captain this afternoon. Joe Ledley simply couldn't miss from four or five yards out. Here's Scott Brown. Good touch to get away from Sissoko. Now plays it back to Matthews. Another raid down the right-hand side from Adam Matthews. Samaras is in the middle. And it's a wonderful third from the Greek striker. Matthews has been in sensational form this afternoon. A pinpoint cross for Georgios Samaras to score his seventh goal of the season. And incredibly, just his second in the SPL. So that brings us to the end of um, another episode of the Chronicles. Just to kind of a bit of housekeeping that Celtic would go on to draw Juventus and would have the infamous Effie returning back from the African Cup of Nations. Um, we'll win in jet lag on his performance. And then in the second leg, Neil Lennon dressed like an Italian manager for some reason, remember? <laughs> that was the, so weird. The scarf and the big black coat. Um, Neil Lenoni. <laughs> very strange. Um, Celtic would go on to win the league and the cup double, beating Hibs in the final. Um, that was a good cup final. It was. Um, Hooper's kind of Hooper's last performance in a, in a Celtic jersey. Um, but no, it's been a, a pleasure sharing this with you guys. And any final thoughts, Alan? No, but I just I, I do genuinely love just getting back and refreshing the memory and discussing it with other folk. It's, it's great. So no, thanks very much. I've enjoyed it a lot. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Gal. Anything to add? Um, just uh, this was the last time we qualified for the last 16 of the Champions League. Hopefully, it won't be the last time we qualify for the last 16 of the Champions League. Something to aim for. Um, but an absolute pleasure with uh, both you gents. Um, thanks for getting me involved. I've been Barry Gallagher. He's been Chris Gallagher. He's been Alan Edgar. And we'll see you next time on the Chronicles. And there's a touch of, uh, how you might put it, Iberia about this. Henry Lawson again! It's great play from Henry Lassen. He's in the final of the UEFA Cup. There's Hodgson, he's done it! A penalty kick. Alan Thompson. He's done it and he makes it look so simple. Celtic, a one-up. Really great feeling. This is a magnificent victory for a team and a manager that suffered a lot. Celtic are through to the UEFA Cup final.